1: 58 seconds to go here's the game it's fourth and 20 for the texans at the colts 28 yard line empty set for mills five wide three go right flush out of the pocket right side now being forced back in throws it downfield to the end zone and it is caught for a touchdown and that is jordan akins and the colts had a clear interception at the goal line it was rodney thomas who mistimed his jump and the ball went right through his hands into Aikens' possession oh into the end zone God. for a score. Texans lose this game. They're guaranteed the number one overall pick in the draft. Let's see what they do here on the two-point conversion. Ogunbowale the back to the left. Mills going to throw it on the two-point conversion. Fires upfield into the end zone, and it's a catch, and it's Aikens. Again, the tight end has killed the Colts today. Two touchdowns and a two-point conversion, and Houston now leads at 32 31. The Colts lose another heartbreaker. They lose another game here at Lucas Oil Stadium to wrap up the season. And the final score today in week 18 in the regular season finale, it's the Houston Texans knocking off the Colts for the first time since 2019. Texans 32 Colts
2: 31. I've given zero thought to (laughs) any of that. I told those guys when I walked in the locker room the first time and it has not changed was to serve them the best I could. I feel for those guys. They're the ones that that lay it out on the line every week and again you know, we came up short and that's heartbreaking for me for them. Across the
1: timeline, Rozier bounces to the top of the circle. Plumlee back to Rozier, penetrates the arc in the lane. Plumlee to the goal and Turner recited Cycled the block at the other end. Halliburton out into the open floor is fouled, and Miles Turner, who has turned into Hercules here in the fourth quarter, may have just sealed victory with a block on an attempted dunk from the powerful Mason Plumlee. You
3: know, Miles Turner down the stretch was tremendous shot making and ones made three in the corner, block shot to seal the game big, t- big time stuff.
4: Let's roll Andy Charlie Clifford, a wish TV with you. Brendan King is here. Eddie Garrison. We are awaiting Jeff Saturday at the podium at one o'clock. Certainly Jeff Saturday went home last night and made a decision with his family. Is this something he still wants to pursue? And I'm not sure how many answers, Brendan King, we're going to get this afternoon. Exit interviews are underway at the Colts Complex. The locker room opens here in 10 minutes. We'll have every update for you this afternoon on the fan. Although, being in the locker room yesterday evening, it was clear this team is simply ready to pack up and get out of here for a little while. DeForest Buckner, Brendan King... There was a motion that I want to get to from some of the key players on this roster, but DeForest Buckner, who's been a pro's pro and who has stood up there and has answered every question after every loss like the one you just saw again to close the season, all you needed to do was spend a few minutes with him to understand that there aren't going to be answers. There isn't a magic wand. It's not one player away. It's not one coach away. This organization needs some time apart and a rest and a break. And then you have decisions to make, beginning with the head coaching position. Brendan King, you were at the game and you are trying to figure out with the rest of us what to do going forward. What do you expect to hear from Jeff Saturday at Mm -hmm. one o'clock, Brendan? Cliff, we were a stone's throw away
5: from each other as usual in the press box, which is always fun. But, you know, <laughs> unbelievable when you think about how this year transpired because Jeff Saturday comes in. There's some juice in the organization. You win that game against Vegas in Vegas. And Great just locker room. A tail spit. Yeah, I imagine that was a whole lot of fun. Especially awesome. winning your first and only game in Vegas. I, I, before I answer, I do want to ask you. What was that locker room like yesterday when you walked in? Was that
4: different than the other losses? No, because I haven't seen a team, at least for the last month, that has appeared devastated, distraught. They can't believe what's transpiring. That was the case early in the season, the Jacksonville locker room. Um the Titans loss at home. Was there a sense of relief yesterday? It, there had to be. I think they, everyone handled it in the right way. It was different because if you saw Ryan Kelly walking off the field, that was as emotional as I've seen Ryan Kelly in a Colts uniform. He was biting back some tears for sure. And we spoke with Ryan Kelly, and he kept it real saying – And this goes for everyone on this team and for every other team. Remember, Brendan King, there are 18 teams in the National Football League essentially feeling somewhat like your Indianapolis Colts this afternoon. The season is over. What needs to be fixed? What can be improved in the short term? And where are you going long term? It's important to keep that in mind. This is reality, Colts fans. A firing, drafting a quarterback at four. That is not going to save you and return you to what you're used to around here. There's a ton of work to do. And I know the immediate question is, well, what's going to happen with Chris Ballard as well? I would think that if for whatever reason, Chris Ballard doesn't feel like the conditions working under Jim Ursay are suitable, we'll get that answer from the organization today. And I don't expect Chris Ballard to be going anywhere, and that's going to frustrate many fans. You don't. No. To what blow, gives you that sense? To With this pick, with the removal of Ballard, you would blow up the entire scouting department. Ed Dodd's Morocco Brown, you got to remember, you are that would be hitting the hard reset button here going forward, knowing that you have 108 days to get ready for potentially selecting your franchise quarterback with the fourth overall pick or maybe even higher. We're going to get into that with David Kaplan out of Chicago later on the show as the Bears jump to the number 1 overall pick with Houston's decision to go for 2 and win that game yesterday. What a day, honestly. What a day. What a day. I mean, if And we you were could full, be saying the same thing here at 3
5: o'clock, Brendan King. If you were in full tank mode, if you're listening right now and you were tank embracing, yesterday was a great day, day for you. Right? I mean, people were rooting for the tank and the Bears to <laughs> get pile-dried by the Vikings and the Colts to get beat by the Texans. And By the way, how sad is it that 9-8 and eight won this division?
4: 9-8 and eight won this division. And the Colts... The preseason favorites, the team that I had the Colts at 10 wins. I did too. I had a double-digit win team. I may have been north of 10, Brendan King. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not too proud that we're saying that. But this season happened. The rhetoric from this preseason, Jim Ursay saying Matt Ryan is everything the organization had hoped and dreamed for. That was in late August. The clear rhetoric from Frank Wright, Chris Ballard, and the captains on this team. Goal number one was winning the AFC South. You leave the locker room last night knowing you won one game in the worst division in football. You have the worst scoring differential in football. You committed seven more turnovers than any team in football. You only scored more points than the Denver Broncos. You committed... 37 fumbles, four more than any other team, the most interceptions, the second most sacks, the worst offensive DVOA. You started four quarterbacks over the final 10 weeks. You changed head coaches. Your general manager looked like he wanted nothing to do with the owner midway through the season. And now you have a fan base that's more upset than it's been. Skip over 2011. Everyone knew what was happening that season. Go back. You had Peyton Manning at the turn of the century, you knew the bumps were going to pay off. You have to go back three-plus decades to feel the emotions that Indianapolis is feeling the day after a regular season ends. And that's where we're sitting this afternoon. And to your point, that's why a lot of people are happy that that miraculous finish (laughs) happened the way it did. Cliff,
5: let me play devil's advocate because as much as I think, too, that Ballard's sticking around as an organization and we've talked about this before in what other big market would this fly where the gm comes back after this falls apart i don't think any big market in the country would have that be the case but why would an owner like jim ursay want a general manager like ballard to make this franchise altering decision that you're going to have this spring when it comes to a quarterback? and even more of a franchise-impacting decision of what you choose maybe to trade away in order to go get that guy when that general manager's philosophy and backing of the game has completely imploded in front of you when it comes to how this team was built. You talked about the sacks. You talked about the defense that now has the honor, I guess, dishonor of the biggest comeback in NFL history against them. Correct. Why would you want that general manager whose philosophy has just blown up in your face and impacted the organization in that way to make such a big decision?
4: It's a fair question. And I'm probably in the minority here, but Jim Irsay realizes with the decision he made midseason and the decision that came after to hire Jeff Saturday, he knows this franchise is a punching bag nationally. <laughs> And (laughs) at the end of the day, as tough as this year was, this thing was on the right track from a depth standpoint with the amount of pro bowlers this past season. There's enough of a track record there that you have to fall back on not making another rash decision and risking – Risking making yourself look like more of a laughing stock here with. Look, I just think Jim Irsay needs a lifeline and Chris Ballard is still trusted in his eyes. And I don't think he's going to walk back something he has repeatedly said over the last month that Chris Ballard is safe. I think he knows that. He, he can't rupture this any, any further than it has been over the past eight weeks. And I a lot of people are going to be bothered by that. But that's just what my gut tells me, Brendan King.
5: I always like a gut feeling. I will say a team that has the identical amount of wins, Cliff, to what this team has experienced in Indianapolis is the Arizona Cardinals. They just fired Cliff Kingsbury, and they just fired their GM. They just fired their GM with them. They are starting over. That was a four-win team as well. They A four-win team with a franchise quarterback. You would imagine if he stays healthy. And the dysfunction there centers on that franchise quarterback it who does. is now hurt. He is hurt. This organization is a four-win team without anybody in the room. And the people that are in the room are a bunch of overpaid guys that just lost 13 games. <laughs> or 12 games, I should say. With a tie. Correct. So uh, you know what what situation do you want to be in? Do you want a franchise quarterback and to start over and build around him, or do you want what you have here with it doesn't look like anybody's on the same page?
4: and you're right. that's that's the number one thing that needs to be addressed going forward is <laughs> Brendan, I can't believe we're here after eighteen weeks of football. But it does feel like square one all over again. And we're going to want your thoughts on this as well. Because, again, 108 days until the draft. We all believe there is no quick fix. I think, as we've pointed out, you know... What Pittsburgh was able to do this year to remain competitive with a young quarterback in a core that wasn't in a clear rebuild, that appears to be one blueprint for you next season. We're trying to remain realistic here. Okay, Can, can you tell it's Black Monday because Eddie
5: Garrison's on a chair writing the names <laughs> of every coach and general manager in the league on the whiteboard that, is, that has been fired? By the way, Lovey Smith wins the game, gets canned yesterday, Cliff. Lovey Smith wins 10 games with the Bears. Gets swatted to the streets. Beats the Colts on the road. See ya.
4: (laughs) I I posted a photo of Lovey. There was a Bears fan pregame, Brendan. Lovey, Lovey, come here, come here. Wearing a Bears jersey. It was a Tommy Harris jersey. Shout out. Tommy Harris. Yeah, throwback. Yeah. Lovey went over, you know, nice high five, whatever. Captured the moment. At the time, I didn't really think anything of it. And a nice a nice connection post game when chicago's rejoicing moving up to the one seed the bears have the most salary cap room they have the number 1 overall pick they believe they have their franchise quarterback and again this may be a trading partner with the indianapolis colts 4 to 1 potentially in april With that swap, we're going to get David Kaplan's thoughts at that 2.30. Capman's joining us from Chicago. 12.30, Don Fisher joining the show. IU is also searching for answers after a loss to Northwestern, a game that if you were tied up watching the Colts, it was not close. That was a one-point game in the box score. Brendan King, that game was not close with the Northwestern Wildcats at Assembly Hall. This is Charlie Cliver to Wish TV alongside Brendan King. We'll be along with you until 3 o'clock. The Colts locker room just opened. Exit interviews are beginning on West 56th Street. Jeff Saturday, 1 o'clock. Again, we believe to hear Brendan King Jeff Saturday's either His campaign speech of all campaign speeches to try to convince Colts fans that he should stay on as the permanent head coach or potentially an answer today that I told you right when I was hired, if I'm not any good at this, there's no hard feelings. At least I'll have an answer. That answer could come today as well from Jeff Saturday. Again, one o'clock with Jeff up there. Um, Cliff, eight weeks is a long time. Yes.
5: In the grand scheme of things. Clearly, Jim Irsay has said multiple times this year, he talked about the Ballard thing, but he also said Frank Reich's is head coach. And then a couple weeks later, he was gone. Correct. Two weeks is a long time in the National Football League. Yeah. Eight weeks is an eternity. What Jeff Saturday said before the Vegas game, I think he just threw out the window because he's gotten a taste of it. If he truly believes that he can do it, it hasn't been... A epiphany that he had in the recent days that he can do it. That probably came along days into his tenure saying, I can do this. I can. Because Jeff Saturday, he's a smart guy. He was a long time Colt, long time NFL player. He's a smart guy. If he thinks he can do it, I don't think he's going to back away from that. He's going to go hard at the wall to try and to convince people that he can do it. And that no hard feelings comment. I don't know, Cliff. I think a guy like that has a really hard time going one in seven. Right, one in seven. Yes, it, it's like a guy at the blackjack table <laughs> that loses two hundred. It's like I'm, I'm getting that back and putting two hundred more. In. He loses two hundred more bucks. I'm, I'm going back in.
4: Right? And that's the answer we'll get today, right? Because he's said everything the right way from a public relations standpoint. Jeff Saturday has handled this situation perfectly, and now is his first chance to really step out and tell us how he's really been feeling and what his future plans actually look like. Jeff Saturday last night, post game at Lucas oil stadium headed to the podium. Sam Ellinger was up there. Ellinger admitted it was a roller coaster season, more reaction from the locker room on the way shortly for now. Here's Jeff Saturday closing out the season, seven consecutive losses, the longest losing streak in Indianapolis in 11 years.
2: I can assure you, uh, losing as a coach is much more painful than losing as a player, in, in my experience. And uh, just because there's, you know, you're you're involved with all three phases, and so if one phase plays well, it doesn't affect the other ones, and vice versa. So it seems like you always go home with, you know, with with some kind of uh, difficulty to get through with the, the, that part of the staff. So, um, yeah, man, I'm not. It's just a disappointing way to finish the season and, and uh, feel, feel for those guys. But, again, um, I appreciate them. And I told them I was grateful for them, everything they did, showing up, never wavering, all the things that I asked of them. They did it each and every week. And, and the way they, they, they put it out there, uh, I was grateful to them for that. Cliff, you have sat
6: down. That's some breaking news. Hold
2: on, I, this is more I
5: breaking than the Cliff Kingsbury stuff. You have sat in your chair for the first time. Are you comfortable in the studio? Are
4: you you feeling good today? Brendan King, Eddie Garrison, I'm buckling in for what I think is going to be potentially a more dramatic day than any of us could have expected. I did you just I, get a text or something? No, I didn't. Um, but this, I, I think we could have more news today, maybe than than we anticipated. Is that I the cliff gut? Ooh. I don't Is that know. the cliff gut feeling right there? I, I, I think either way, the Saturday update will be significant because Jim Irsay said originally, back when all of this transpired, Frank Reich let go, the 2 a.m. calls to Saturday, the lengthy meetings with Ballard, Man, if we could have had Hard Knocks on for that ride, that would have (laughs) eclipsed anything that show has ever produced. I
5: mean, imagine the Hard Knocks episode, though, coming up about the the Lions.
4: Oh, we can get to them in a moment because plenty of the NFL was rooting and it remains in Detroit's corner. Again, a franchise that's trending in the right direction with a veteran quarterback where they've been able to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, But either way... Minus 87 in the pointer differential under Jeff Saturday, eight games, that would have been the fourth worst mark in the NFL standing alone. I simply, Brendan King, don't believe it was anywhere close that as an evaluator, you're able to say that Jeff Saturday's your your option going forward and one of your best options. Surely if things unfold in a way that Jim Harbaugh is not on the table. Sean Payton is not on the table. Some of your top defensive coordinators that can bring a younger energy to this locker room that desperately needs it, if none of them, for whatever reason, appear to be the right fit. Is there a scenario where Saturday remains on, I guess, hypothetically? Do you believe what, – what odds would you say, Jeff, Saturday – heads into if you're if you're putting those odds up this morning Brendan King what are they
5: hmm it's a great question if we're talking the actual plus number i'd throw saturday cliff based off of what ursay has said about him and how bad ursay wants this to work with somebody of the past mm-hmm I'd even throw a plus four hundred on Saturday.
4: That's an interesting number.
5: Uh, because that, that has enough juice to it where people are like, Why would you do this? But it also brings in the point that how bad Ursay wants this to work. Yeah, I'm looking at the last eight weeks. So the Raiders win. It's like a slow it's like watching a car crash in slow motion, Cliff. <laughs> when you look at these games in sequential order. Alright, so you beat the Raiders, mm-hmm. You hang with the Eagles. You probably should win that game. One play away. fourth Pro- down. Pro- stop. Probably should it's win yours. that game. So you lose, but you're like, all right, we were there. So maybe there's a little bit of positivity. And then the Steelers Monday Night Football game where you make some crucial mistakes towards the back end of that, but you still compete. And then you go into the Dallas game and you compete for a little while, and then there's the implosion in the fourth quarter, that's when the roller coaster starts to tip down. It's like you're at Six Flags (laughs) in Gurnee, and you're at the biggest roller coaster possible, and you could just see yourself, oh, man, I'm going down. But you're still at the top, right? Correct. And then... That's when the Vikings game comes along. And you you get dropped, man, at a million miles an hour. The Chargers game, you don't compete. You're on a winding and weaving road. No way to win that game. You get embarrassed in New York. And now yesterday, the r- roller coaster's coming to an end. You're getting back to the station. And there's, this, that, there's that one more drop that surprises you at the end. And you get wrecked by the Texans <laughs> towards the end of that game.
4: That I is love the that Colts analogy. I love that, Brendan King. That's one of the better analogies. We've all tried to summarize what we've all watched together. That's one of the better ones I've heard. Charlie Clifford, a wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison, Eddie Garrison. I was trying to not tear up in the press box yesterday, watching Naheem Hines, Bill's kick returner, former Colt gadget player here have his career day and the best moment of his football life, the DeMar Hamlin story, which we followed for the past week. Hamlin tweeting all afternoon as the Bills locked up the top seed, beating New England, courtesy of former Colt Naheem Hines's two touchdown returns. The first Buffalo Bill player to ever do it. Hines postgame in Buffalo, trying to put that moment into words.
2: It was electric, and, uh, you know, we, we've had so many prayers and so much support. And uh, be able to start the game off like that, it's, it's amazing. I even talked to family and friends, and I just said, look, we're going to be ready today. Our boys are going to play spirited. And uh, just being around all those guys, even though I have not been here so a long time, it even motivated me. And uh, you, you've seen, like, we have threes on. I had three on my thigh pads today. It's, it's been amazing, but all that was for him. And I'm, I'm happy for the things that happened to me, but I was spirited. And I felt like he was out there with us.
4: And we're thrilled for Naheem Hines, was a stand-up guy here throughout his five seasons. Brendan King, I watched that call from Jim Nance about a dozen times right after it was posted. Please bring me into that moment in terms of just... It, it felt like everything we were dealing with on this show Tuesday into Wednesday... What a turn of events in a miraculous way. The DeMar Hamlin story, first and foremost with the 24-year-old's health and the fact that it appears he's going to be able to recover and live a very healthy life here. And now this story with the Bills as they potentially march forward to a Super Bowl appearance in one of the most tortured franchises in sports – that place was up for grabs, Brendan King. What did you think of when you saw those two kick returns? I put a future bet on the
5: Bills to win the <laughs> AFC. It's still at plus 250, boys. That's, there's one thing you don't mess That's around. That's more than I expected. You don't mess around with heart and a feel-good story in the playoffs. You don't mess around with that. Great for DeMar Hamlin. I thought that was amazing. When we were, I think we were talking about it, how we were on the show when it was said that, did we win? When he wrote it down, and then it was even better to hear that he was actually communicating with his family and the breathing tube was taken out and he was talking to them and he facetime with the bills and he was texting and calling people and now he's seemingly you would think right now, as we speak, he's in his hospital bed, maybe enjoying some breakfast, some lunch, and just kind of chilling, right? I mean that that's awesome. And the the long road probably still is ahead for the guy mm-hmm. when it comes to rehabilitation and getting his strength back and, you know, walking properly and everything. But man, even better that probably he watched that in the hospital and was screaming his head off.
4: And apologize. uh, What I meant to say, Bill's locked up that two seed. Miami now coming to Buffalo for a rematch game. A little snow the first time around. We'll see as the Dolphins, you know, I would expect Teddy Bridgewater to potentially be under center. The Tuatunga vailoa situation. That will be the story in Miami this week. Charlie Cliver to Wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. The Colts locker room is open. The team is putting its final thoughts into the 2022-2023 regular season. Updates coming with that. Plus, IU basketball. What's gone wrong? The last two nights for Mike Woodson. Don Fisher joins us. That's next on the fan. It's 1230 in Indianapolis, Charlie Clifford, a wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison, Pacers a winner last night, 116, 111. We're going to get the latest from Rick Carlisle, including his ringing endorsement of Miles Turner's recent play right now. Joining us on the mower shop from Fisher's hotline is Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers fish. Great to have you back on Uh, tough one yesterday. Many of us in central Indiana You know, this game coinciding with the Colts finale. Bring us into the scene and the atmosphere at Assembly Hall as Mike Woodson's team attempted to dig itself out of an early hole against Northwestern.
7: Well, obviously, they started off slowly once again, which has been a problem uh, that's happened several times throughout the year, especially against good teams. And they put themselves in a 17-point hole early. Uh, then from that point on, they tried to dig it out. They they were able to you know, actually get the lead. I think at one point in the second half, or came close to getting it, but they could never really get their teeth, you know, in the Northwestern to the point where they could take hold. And honestly, it's it's a it's a problem right now. That's been ongoing for several weeks. Yeah, it's a team right now that's struggling defensively. And uh, I can't compare it with the Colts situation <laughs> uh, in any way, shape, or form at this point uh, because there have been so many things with the Colts this year. But from Indiana's perspective, there's, there were expectations at the beginning of the season. The media said they would be a Big Ten contender, right. and all these kinds of things. And now, obviously, they've lost two in a row for the second time this year. Uh, they've lost five ball games for those ball games they've allowed over 84 points or 84 and more mm. in the four games that they've lost out of the five and uh things have stro- are uh, in a world of hurt right now and it's not helped any by the fact that they've got two starters on the sidelines for an indefinite period of time.
4: Yeah, Race Thompson, Xavier Johnson, as you mentioned, those issues aren't going to be solved anytime soon. Trace Jackson Davis post game last night Don said Look, Mike Woodson had a great plan. We didn't follow it at all defensively. Is it communication? Is it the inability for guards to simply stay in front of their man? What can you pinpoint about this defense that's simply non-existent at the moment?
7: Well, it's it's from my perspective, uh, and my color analyst Eric Sewer said this several times during our ball game yesterday. Uh, Indiana is just not picking up aggressively uh, defensively at the guard positions. They're not, they're not forcing, they weren't forcing Northwestern out of any kind of uh, pattern that they wanted to go to. You've got to be able to uh, be aggressive at the defensive end of the court. And I've I think I said this last week, to you guys, uh, it, this is one of my big issues with this team right now right. is they continue not, they continue not to match the opposing team's aggressiveness or their intensity level, especially at the outset of games or even at the outset of second halves, hmm. you you have set you have to set the tone, and to set the tone, you have to at least match what the other team is doing, uh, from an aggression standpoint, or you've got to be more so in that regard. You've got to be doing more of it, and right now this team is not doing that. Uh, Bob Knight and I said this before as well. <laughs> um, Bob Knight said the most important part of any basketball game are the first five minutes of each half. Yeah, uh, if you you set the tone at that point, uh, and you you not only set it for the other team, you set it for yourself. The intensity level that you must play with, and let's face it, these guys are not matching what we're seeing out there by the other team. They did against Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a terrific performance in the first fifteen minutes of that ball game. But then they allowed uh, North, or Iowa to come back on them uh, toward the end of the first half when race went out because that was a blow to them. There's yep. no question about that. It, it uh, fixates from a concentration standpoint and a focus standpoint, and you're worried about your teammate and all those kinds of things. But then you've got to overcome that, and you've got to go to the locker room. You've got to reset. Uh, you have to reset your focus, and you've got to really start to understand how important it's going to be to really buckle down. And right now, this team is not doing the things that they need to do on a consistent basis. It's that simple.
5: So, Fish, as the intensity level and playing well early in halves coincided with each other, does that speak to why maybe the first part of this Big Ten campaign has been so challenging at times?
7: Well, I think that's a big part of it. I don't think there's any question. I mean, they got down big against Arizona in the first half. They got down big against Kansas basically for the entire ball ballgame, uh, but it started at the very beginning, um, against Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers came out and just, you know, they dominated in Indiana in the early part of that contest. And then you've got to try to fight your way back into it. Well, the other team's already there with their intensity level, and they're not going to let up. And so from that perspective alone, I think, right now, and Trace is right, I mean, <laughs> this team has to understand they're, they are good. They've, they've got talent. No question. But they're, but they're not good enough to, to go up against another team with the same amount of talent uh, and just go through the motions or not execute the game plan. And obviously this team right now, I mean, look at the straight line drives that Iowa had to the basket in the second half, and you had the same exact thing in this game against Northwestern yesterday. So they're not executing the game plan on top of all the other stuff we've just talked about.
4: Fish mentions, look, the early 17-point hole – and then you come out in the second half, you don't score a point for the first three minutes. It just didn't come together. You look at the final score. Oh, they lost by one. No, there was a much different story yesterday at Assembly Hall. Don Fisher on the Mower Shop Hotline, out of Fisher's. Charlie Clifford to Wish TV, Brendan King here. Don, when you look at Jalen hood shafino 33 points, most by an IU freshman since Eric Gordon in 2007. He had some issues with the turnovers through two games as Mike Woodson's point guard. What are your takeaways from the highly recruited freshman?
7: Well, actually, you can say he's played four games now in that regard because he played the two games prior to the holidays as well. But he has gotten better each and every ball game, at least from a scoring perspective. I mean, he has definitely taken up some, a lot of the slack left by Xavier Johnson's uh, absence, and, and I think in, in some regard, especially yesterday, you can talk about the fact that he took up some of Ray Thompson's absence, too, <laughs> right. from, from a scoring standpoint. But, but look, he's a freshman. He's going to make some mistakes. Uh, obviously, he's got to clean up the turnover issue, but he has really tried to take over the role that Xavier previously had uh, because it's up to him now. Uh, he, there's nobody else out there that is a true point guard, that they have on their roster. And that's where the, that's where he is. You know, he's trying to make up for what's missing. And sometimes that, that creates some issues in regard to the turnovers and that kind of thing. Pressing is what it's called, I guess. Yep. And uh, honestly, uh, I give him a lot of credit because he's in a tough situation. We know he's a terrific talent and we know now that he can score on a consistent basis. Cause he's raised his scoring every single game since he's been the starter. he had, I think he had 17 and 18 in the first two games that we talked about against the line of Kennesaw State. Now he's had over 20 and now 33. So this guy is really upping his game, at least from a scoring perspective. Uh, He's trying to do the right things on offense. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's going to be some issues there from a (laughs) correction standpoint. But look, uh, this kid's
8: doing a heck of a job.
5: Fish, Trace Jackson Davis, 24 of Indiana's 40 rebounds, which is remarkable. Uh, Does that number come more towards because Race Thompson was not out there and Jackson Davis took a majority of what Race would have gotten, or is he just on a different level right now when it comes to rebounding the basketball?
7: Well, think about this. He's playing more minutes than he's ever had to play in a ball game before. I don't know if he ever played 38 minutes in a game. Uh, last year, uh, or any of the previous two years, he was there. The three years that he's, you know, he's played previously. I'd have to look it up to see if he's actually played 38 minutes of a game. I would, if he has, I, I can count on less than one hand the number of times that's happened. But playing 38 plus minutes in the Iowa ball game and 40 minutes of the game against uh, Northwestern yesterday—it's crazy. When you when you consider the deal that he's dealing, the, the the fact that he's dealing with a back problem, and it's it's not an insignificant back problem. So consider that and then see what he's done on the floor. It is amazing. And uh, he showed tremendous heart in my mind, uh, tremendous courage in that regard, and guts it out. And you ca- you got to give this guy credit. I mean, I, I've been critical at times of Trace because yep. I think at times in past years, and it, when he was in high school, I think he just kind of took day, not I don't want to say he took days off, but but right. what he did was he wasn't as dominant a player as he could be on a on a continuous situation or a consistent situation and that's where things have changed for him because he has stepped up big time and especially in these last two ball games but I think overall this year he's played very well most of the time and I think it all started with last year's Big 10 tournament when he had three just tremendous ball games
4: that was an incredible run 24 rebounds yesterday afternoon against Northwestern, the most by an IU player since Steve Downing in 71. Okay, The most by a Big Ten player in nearly 20 years. That's how dominant TJD was on the glass fish. I think that brings us to the crux of this conversation for Mike Woodson and his staff. As they huddle today to try to make corrections, the fact that Trace Jackson Davis has given you 30 points and 9 rebounds and then turned around and given you 18 points and 24 boards, playing 78 of the 80 possible minutes at Iowa and against Northwestern, is your level of concern significantly higher with this team considering your best player has been otherworldly in these two losses?
7: Well, I don't think you can say anything but that it's a concern because obviously, at this point, there are other people that need to step up, and they haven't had that that from anybody with the exception of these two guys, Hootsafino and and um, uh, and Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, uh, I mean, Trace uh, or uh, tomorrow, yesterday had feels a like day. a two man
4: team. Fish.
7: Yeah, exactly, and and it can't be that. I mean, yeah. this is a ball club that we talked about at the beginning of the year. Uh, tremendous depth. We thought this is a ball club that can survive an injury or two, but we're finding out very quickly that the guys that we expected to step up are coming off the bench or now into starting roles have not been what we had thought they would be. And, in that regard, it's very concerning, and, and it's going to be up to Mike Woodson to see if he can get this thing turned around in that regard.
5: It's the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and the themowershop.com for all your blowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Fish, last thing, so back-to-back losses in the Big Ten. Now you have to go on the road to Penn State on the 11th. Penn State loses by double digits yesterday to Purdue. How difficult of all years, all your years calling games, how difficult is it for a team to go into a road environment with kind of your heels already squeaking back to the wall in some way? How hard is it to play on the road when maybe things are not going well?
7: Well, it's always hard to play on the road no matter what. But at the same <laughs> time, if you think about – and, and I, I hate going back to Bob Knight all the time because people are going, who? Uh, and they say that, and I'm talking about people who don't know Indiana basketball. But uh, when you go back and you think about how Coach Knight went about his business, uh, he never talked about road games being a problem. <laughs> he no. never did. He never. He, he just said, "Hey, the, the the floor is exactly the same. The baskets are the same height. Uh, what's the problem here? Well, the problem is mind." It's mm. all in the head. It's in your head. Do you think you could win on the road, or you don't Or don't you think you could win on the road? That's a Terry hefner <laughs> If you think you can't, you're... <laughs> so, mindset. You've got to have a positive mindset. You've got to believe. And right now, this team doesn't look like it's believing, and until they do, they're going to struggle.
4: Who can be that third option for Mike Woodson, and who, if anyone, can find some defensive presence on the other end of the floor this is Don Fisher Fish we appreciate you best of luck on the trip out to Penn State and we'll see you back at home Saturday afternoon as Wisconsin the 14th ranked Badgers head to Assembly Hall have a great week thanks
7: appreciate it thanks for having me guys that's Don Fisher
4: Fisher. great insight on Brendan King what feels like a two-man operation for Mike Woodson at the moment Jalen hood shafino Star freshman from the state of Florida, 33 points against the Wildcats. Trace Jackson Davis, 18 and 24 rebounds. Many would think, okay, that's a double-digit win against a Northwestern program that continues to try to claw out of the basement in the Big Ten. No. In fact, the Wildcats led by double digits for most of that second half. And if not for a furious comeback in the final 48 seconds, that would have been much worse on paper than a one point loss. It is an interesting start to a one in three big 10 campaign so far for Mike Woodson. Thanks to fish for joining us. Charlie Clifford, of wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison is here. We have more coaching news and updates as the pink slips continue to move around the NFL. No updates just yet out of Indianapolis, but that's going to change at one o'clock when Jeff Saturday heads to the podium to put his interim run as Colts coach into perspective. Those updates on the way. Plus, Rick Carlisle's Pacers continue to make more impressive statements. That story when we come back.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
4: Let's roll. There are now five coaching openings in the national football league. Click cliff clean Kingsbury, excuse me out with the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Keim, general manager also uh, out of a job. He stepped down Kingsbury relieved of his duties. It looked, sounded like a mutual decision. Things went worse in Arizona than they did in Indianapolis. We can tell you that here as the regular season concludes, Kyler Murray disgruntled quarterback, now under contract, now injured. Uh, There are much more in terms of uh, obstacles potentially in the short term for Arizona to figure out than for the Colts. We are going to continue to monitor everything we hear from the Colts complex this afternoon. Jeff Saturday is going to head to the podium here at 1 o'clock. Certainly, we think we're either going to hear one of two things from Jeff Saturday. A, he's all in on potentially becoming the permanent head coach, or B, it was a heck of a ride. And guess what? I'm not the man for this job. Hopefully, we'll have more details on that at one o'clock. Charlie Cliver to Wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. Brendan King, the Pacers reached the midway mark of the season 23 and 18, 15 and at seven at home. A Electric crowd in the fourth quarter, helping propel Miles Turner to one of his finest moments. We've seen 29 points, nine rebounds, four blocks. He did it from the three-point line, from inside the arc, at the rim, on the free-throw line, on the defensive end with a late block of Miles Plumley. Our Pacers meter is approaching 10 in terms of excitement, belief, and overall Bedlam here with this team. What did you feel watching the final minutes in person at GameBridge last night in the win over Charlotte? That was fun.
5: That was fun, Cliff. And everybody that continues to comment about this is a fun and youthful and refreshing team, you get that on a nightly basis, no? But my question about Miles, and I would like to ask this question next Let's time do we have, but to somebody next time we have a, a Pacers mm-hmm. personality on is, does Miles' so far career numbers, do they stem from A, him being healthy, mm-hmm. finally, B, him, he knows he's in a contract year and he wants to get his money, or C, that the Pacers are finally good again?
4: I think it's mostly uh, C. He has an elite point guard. Miles Turner has never had anything remotely close to Tyree Halliburton. No, I, I think it's a mixture of all three, mm-hmm. that he's
5: finally feeling better. That's fair. He's healthy. He knows he's got to get his money, and the Pacers have a pretty good team.
4: I think Miles Turner's done a nice job. Um, look, Rick Carlisle compared him a bit to Jermaine O'Neal early in Carlisle's coaching career here, Brendan King. Jermaine O'Neal, when he was on the floor, there was just a quiet confidence about everyone else. Specifically on the defensive end, I think with this unit, when Miles Turner is back there, Rick Carlisle called this group. You know, a, they're more of a system defense with system defenders. It's not like you have four Tony Allens out there with Miles Turner waiting at the rim. They've made it work. And Ronald Norad, from a defensive standpoint, has pieced together schematically enough ability to get stops in order to win these very close games. The last month, Brendan King, these clutch games, it's been every night. Mm-hmm. Great teams, teams that have struggled a bit, a team like the Hornets that are probably trending in the right direction Eddie Garrison Uh fun battle Eddie Ball and Halliburton yeah I, I wish they were in the division that was you know fun. I would see, watch that one a lot
6: yeah to your credit about the the clutch games the Pacers are now tied uh, with the Brooklyn Nets for the cl- most clutch wins on the season with 16
4: and you have the clutch closer and Kevin Durant out
6: in Brooklyn correct and Kyrie yeah, uh Durant sprained his MCL, so he's out a couple weeks. That just came out just before the start of the show. But just me you think
4: the Nets are like going to put
6: it put it yeah. together, but yeah, something like that. Happened. Last year, the Pacers were the worst team in clutch games. I think they were like eleven and thirty. I heard
4: Boyle say that
6: they were eleven and yeah, another thirty last five year. Five games
4: above five hundred in that category.
6: Six sixteen and ten so, after wow. last yeah. night. Yeah.
4: Rick Carlisle post game a endorsement for Miles Turner.
3: I mean, I've kind of wiped last year out of my memory. You know what's the point of even going there? This team is is totally different. It's got a totally different spirit and a totally different love for each other, a totally different commitment to each other. So, but the tough games is where is where you grow. You know, this was a tough game. It's a, one of those bend but don't break games.
4: The spirit, the togetherness. A very clear picture of two different groups from Rick Carlisle, a candid Rick Carlisle last night, Brendan King.
5: Man, I can't even imagine being in Carlisle practices and seeing what he has done for this team. I mean, such a incredible move to get him back here when they did. I realize last year's gonna look at being a wash, but very quickly, Cliff, this has turned into from a rebuild to just a reset. Look, take out take out, take it out of the Sock it for a minute. Put it back in. Reset. Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: yeah. Right? Perfect I mean, analogy. And Carlisle went on to say, Miles Turner in his prime. He's playing the best he's ever played. And it's just a nice story from a head coaching perspective. And for anyone who sits in the seats at Cambridge Fieldhouse, Miles Turner is a very great person. And I think there were probably a handful. You remember most notably the potential trade to Boston, where Gordon Hayward would have wound up here. Think about playing the Hornets last night. Thank goodness that trade did not come together. And Hayward being here would have clogged up many things. I know, look, his lore in Indianapolis and college basketball sports history in this state will, is untouchable. He's in. He's up there near the Mount Rushmore, but... The way the cards have fallen for Miles Turner, the fact that he is still here, he's playing the best basketball of his career. The younger players have looked to him as the centerpiece in terms of, he doesn't speak a lot, but when he does, he's listened to, and now he's doing it efficiently from the three-point line, from the free throw line, and in the post, which is a change. Hats off to Miles Turner. Your thoughts now going forward to New York, Wednesday night. The Wally Zerbiak thing kind of spoke this for us who talk about this team for a living. At the Garden, this team against the tough Nick team, Brendan King, We might That's have a must to, watch We might have to watch, no offense to
5: Kristen Ary and Quinn Buckner, <laughs> might have to watch the next broadcast right. for that ballgame. Hey, Mike Green's on it just, with yeah, Clyde. You know. Just to see what Wally says at halftime. I do want to say it was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gordon Hayward last night, he signed every autograph for every single fan that was waiting
4: for him. That's the awesome. stuff I like to hear. Shout out Gordon Hayward, one of the good guys out there. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. We're coming back at the top of the hour. Jeff Saturday, due at the podium at the Colts Complex within the next few minutes. What will Jeff Saturday say in terms of his future in Indianapolis? He did not want to speculate or give us much of anything following the loss yesterday afternoon at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's about to change, Colts fans. That story's next. Jeff.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
4: Saturday is getting ready to sit down at the podium to recap his eight games as interim head coach. And Eddie Garrison just picked the perfect soundtrack for you and I and everyone else in Indianapolis today. The sun is shining, Colts fans, and that is my message for you. As 2022, the four-win season is over. It feels a lot better for many of you this afternoon, knowing that this team bottomed out as much as they did as a, as opposed to Brendan King, a seven and nine team, someone who was hovering around five hundred. Really, the feel you had with the Carson Wentz team. One year ago, and this was the week, this was actually the day, Brendan King, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV with you, where Frank Reich was asked about Carson Wentz's future and completely skirted around the question. On this day last year, the first question Frank Reich received after losing the following, the last two games of the season, excuse me, was, is Carson Wentz your quarterback quarterback? in 2022, and he did not answer that with a definitive answer. Chris Ballard followed up that comment later in the week with the soundbite that was played over and over about at the time of the Carson Wentz trade, I do not regret the decision, and that laid the foundation for what we all knew what was coming next. They break up with the quarterback. There is very little in terms of disguise with the question this time around. At the quarterback position. I posed the question to you earlier. The first domino in this entire equation. 108 days away from the draft. The pressing decision is head coach. There are five jobs out there Brendan King. Carolina, Arizona. The Colts. Denver. And where's my last one? Phone me a
6: friend. Why am I blanking Houston. on the last? Houston. Thank yeah, you. Houston, Arizona, Houston. Carolina, Denver, and Indianapolis.
4: Rank those openings, Brendan King. Oh, my goodness. Eddie Garrison, you your thoughts on that? expect me well. to do that? It's one o'clock. Hold on. on a Monday minute. after Hold the season. On a there is no offseason in Indianapolis this year, Colts the, fans. The I'm ranking sorry. Ranking of those teams.
6: I would go one Denver. Me too.
4: Why is everyone immersed with the Broncos situation after you actually put hit play on that link of Russell Wilson's game tape this year, how bad that looked and how how tough that situation is financially to remove yourself from in a division with Patrick Mahomes. Yes. yes. Why is that better than this situation?
6: I would say the final three weeks, Russell Wilson started to look like the old Russell Wilson. Uh, he looked good against post Nathaniel Hackett correct once Nathaniel Hackett left I thought that offense looked a lot better and I think if you get the right system in there and especially if there is legitimate interest with Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos organization I think that offense where Denver will be humming they have a top five defense in the NFL in terms of talent of one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL you've got one of the best safeties I think there's legitimate talent on all aspects of that team uh, to where somebody who's interested in becoming a head coach Mm -hmm. would turn there first
4: new ownership group that ownership group is not going to want to wait around after making its investment not only with the team but a quarter billion dollar investment at quarterback Okay, well, that lines up with what we've heard nationally with both the New Orleans Saints speaking with Denver about Sean Payton's potential trade options, and then also the fact that Jim Harbaugh already has an interview lined up with Denver. There have been reports just within the last 10 minutes here coming into the fan via social media that the Panthers... Are starting to let folks know that they will not be seeking the services of Jim Harbaugh. Does that change anything here, Brendan King? No, I'm going to go
5: Denver, Arizona, Indy, Houston, Carolina. The reason why I have Houston over Carolina is because they're going to get one of the two quarterback jewels.
4: Carolina locked is in. Not. They they're, can't. Can they screw that up? Could probably. <laughs> probably, to be honest with
5: you, they could probably screw that up. But Carolina may be stuck with Sam Darnold next year, or. They might do the veteran thing where they just try and drag their feet to the end of the season, right? Houston at least is going to get a young, talented quarterback and that will be more attractive to a coach than working with a Sam Darnold or a Matt Ryan or somebody like that. You that have is a quarterback that a has spot. not been
4: ruined yet. Yeah, it's... And that's why I think Frank like, Reich will be very... an intriguing name potentially in Houston. If you have right. a young quarterback and you need a coach to come in and make sure that young quarterback has his best chance at succeeding, maybe Frank Reich is higher on your list there as opposed to some of these other situations. Although there are parallels with all these situations, these teams need quarterbacks.
5: It's not going to be attractive because Frank Reich, per multiple reports, is going to interview in Carolina. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that would be attractive to him. Well, he played
4: there and he's now living there. That's fine. His children that, that's live there. A, attractive it's a very as winnable a team. division. Attractive as a team. It's a very though, winnable Cliff. division. Attractive that as division a team. division is terrible. It
5: would be a worse version they've than what he well. had here. It'd be a worse they've version showed, than what he had here. they no showed the
4: Carolina Panthers, Steve Wilkes. he is actually an interim head coach that will go into a meeting today with a puncher's chance. He has a resume. He has wins to show for. That's fine. He has shown improvement offensively with quarterbacks that were quit on and ultimately why Matt Rule is coaching the Nebraska Cornhuskers next fall. That is a little different than the conversation around here. I think there is plenty for Frank Reich to be intrigued about about Carolina. Bad offensive line. These are... These are fixable I understand, these are fixable Cliff. problems in a very bad division.
5: Cliff, I, this this was a very bad division this year that he just failed and got fired in.
4: Cliff? And that brings us back to the person who's in charge of the personnel here and why I think Chris Ballard won't be going anywhere today. I would, do, don't, do you feel if you are running the Colts, Eddie Garrison and Brendan King, it would be the right thing to do? after what you could put Chris Ballard through this season to publicly come out very early this week and just say, whether that's Jim Irsay telling that to a reporter or any other way, you're not going to put a Twitter post up about it, but that news should link out that Chris Ballard After meeting last night, after the season was put to bed, he is safe. He is coming back. We're moving forward. Big sneeze. Eddie, goodness. Eddie, excuse you. Thank you. I think that would be the right thing to do to leak that information out that, look, final decision, no ifs, ands, or buts. We've met. We're moving forward. Chris Ballard is back. The head coaching search is on. To me, that's a smart move after what you put him through. Regardless if you're going to say, well, who cares what you put him through? He deserves it. This team hasn't won. What they did mid-season was unprecedented. And Chris Ballard had to figure out how to keep an organization together. And that locker room, through last night, decided, you know what? I'm not going to point figures. I'm not going to throw people under the bus. I'm not going to say what this situation is and was for Jeff Saturday. And that was an unwinnable situation. As unwinnable
5: as it was, though, it was Ballard's decisions at the end of the day that partly led to the collapse of the team.
4: Without question. But what was the collapse? This team, I'm reminded of this team, were speaking at times like, oh, they were one play away from being right there with Cincinnati and Kansas City. They weren't that close. They weren't that close, and they took a significant step backwards, and now you have the decision of if, with the biggest draft pick on the board since Andrew Luck coming, do you want someone making that decision And a bunch of scouts weighing in on that decision who are living in other parts of the country right now and have no basis of what's gone on in this organization over the past five years. That's the bullet you're going to have to bite when you make a decision like that. It's
5: either you let the guy that has partly led to the demise of where you are right now make a franchise altering decision or you bite the bullet where you bring in somebody new and you... Rely on them to make that tough decision. I'm willing to do that if you make the right decision. Here's the caveat, Cliff the right decision has not been made here in a long, long, long time. And do I think, do I trust the organization to go out and find somebody that will lead you to the promised land? I don't know, Cliff, because. The interim coach that the owner believes so much in just went one and seven, be it with a bad roster.
4: This is a mess. It's worst case scenario for Jim Mersey. He legitimately did believe Things would get better under Jeff Saturday. It would spark excitement in the fan base. It would ignite a dormant offense. They did patch together some of the issues on the offensive line. I think that's number 1 bullet point Jeff Saturday's resume if he ends up pursuing this full-time position. Again, Charlie Clifford, Wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. Jeff Saturday do at the podium any moment at the Colts complex to wrap up this season. But you're right. Worst-case scenario for Jim Irsey because... There's nothing on paper that would point to anyone, if you blank out the name at the top with this resume, having any chance to continue after an interim role with a half a season. It wasn't three weeks. It was eight games. Zaire Franklin, postgame, yesterday afternoon, best story of the team this year, 164 tackles, new single-season franchise record. Zaire Franklin on really what he would tell folks on offense – after what was the year of the turnover in Indianapolis.
9: emotions are raw and, you know, everything is kind of up in the air right now. Um, but I just wanted to talk to each guy and just kind of tell him you know, that I support him and I appreciated everything that they did from from Raymond, you know, kind of being thrusted in as a rookie in a left tackle situation and having to basically learn on the fly and how he had to battle back to, uh, you know, Pittman and just understanding that he had a tough year dealing with the different quarterbacks, but he still battled and led that receiving room. And, um, you know the list goes on and on. Um, just guys, even Chase, you know, just and Matt, just appreciate how they came in. Um, you know, in the beginning of the year and still made a big impact on our team. So, um, you know, I love this. I love this team. I love this organization. Um, it's been a tough year. Um, unfortunately, today was really just a combination of how the whole year has been. Um, but we'll be stronger, and I know we'll come back better next year. Uh, disappointed we couldn't get the last one for the fans, but that's just how it went.
4: Xavier Franklin, former 235th overall pick, now the single-season tackle leader, someone you will want in your locker room going forward. Little question about that on the Colts' defense. Charlie Cliver to Wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. For the first time this afternoon, we are going to open the fan phone line 93.5, 107.5. As Jeff Saturday heads to the podium, we want to have this conversation with you as Saturday begins his conversation with the local media here in Indianapolis. What should the Colts do at head coach? That is the first domino of this offseason. And we need your thoughts. You sat, you analyzed, you've conversed about the same 18 games on paper and on film that we saw this season. Four wins, one win in the division, four losses of at least 20 points, four quarterback changes over the final 10 weeks, two head coaches. It appears the same general manager continuing on. It also is crystal clear, Jim Irsay, His patience has run out. His influence on decisions is at potentially an all-time high. So, five openings in the National Football League. Each team will have its selling points. What would you sell potential candidates on? And what would you tell Jeff Saturday after he raised his hand and agreed to take on this again, what I will call an unwinnable situation over the final eight weeks of the season, and the fact that he only has one win to show for it now, Brendan King. Do you have a favorite stat this season mm. when you look at the offensive struggles? Is there one that, when you think back to this season in five years, I've deemed it the year of the turnover in Indianapolis. Would there any be any other text below that potential headline or do you disagree with that headline what headline would you put on the 2022 colts brendan king
5: embarrassing period that's all you need to say and and by the way as you said cliff phone lines are open 317-239-1070 for your colts thoughts let's go jump in embarrassing cliff purely embarrassing and it didn't matter who you put out there specifically a quarterback cliff because all three guys were throwing pick sixes The Sam Mm. Ellinger pick six. How much would you have won yesterday if you bet each team to throw a pick six? That was my question in the press box last (laughs) night.
4: (laughs) Do you know each quarterback now, we've done this carousel. Everyone got their chance. Everyone had their time. All three. Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger, Matt Ryan with the pick six. Listen,
5: Eddie Garrison was texting me yesterday about the Ellinger stuff. I got my answer yesterday. What were those texts? I got. He was trying. Open the was group tr- chat, to I Indianapolis. Think, I was
6: so anti Ellinger from the geek. It's fine. Like
5: it's fine. I wasn't I personally under-
6: offended. I mean, like I said last week in the YouTube chat when I was getting into interactions with people, I understand the aspect of wanting to see Ellinger, but like this guy wasn't even great at Texas. Like he was twenty-four and seventeen. He was so hit or miss. He was. He had a roller coaster of a season and a career there. So I'm like. If you're looking at Sam Ellinger and trying to compare that to an NFL, I just don't see how it's going to translate over.
5: Never never said anything like that, as you know. But all I wanted to see was yesterday. I wanted to see yesterday with my own eyes to fully determine what he is and what he could be. We got our answer. And now you can, with a better conscience, boys, say that nobody in that quarterback room has a shot in hell to lead
4: this team back to where they need to be, and you could start fresh. There's an argument that the Colts won't have a number two quarterback currently on its roster right now. That will be its number two next year. It certainly feels like Sam Ellinger, best case scenario, Brendan King, he is battling for that backup spot. Sam Ellinger is a, an incredible human being. Great guy. He, too, He has not been in this situation. He has not had the coaching and the reps that Matt Ryan has had of 15 years of football. And the losing that inevitably comes along for every quarterback, unless your name is Tom Brady. We have Chris on line one. We need Chris's thoughts. Colts head coaching situation. Chris, everything starts with this decision. What would you do?
10: I would pretty much get a top name that he can get. But who really wants to come here? Like this... I mean, if you look at our coaching since basically Dungey, it's been pretty bad. And like, we don't like. Do we really think that a guy like C.J. Stroud is going to be a? Like, how much is that really going to help us?
4: That's a good point, Chris. I you said, know. Chris, you said big name. There is only one big name in terms of a connection to this building. Is, does that mean your official first candidates, Jim Harbaugh? No questions asked.
10: Well, I don't know. Is he is he coming here because he's basically going to be forced out of Michigan with pilot? I just Mm -hmm. I think the whole problem is you're going to be dealing with a GM that has not done much, and you're dealing with an owner that can't keep his hands out of the operate. Like he's just totally like Chris.
4: One to ten, you're concerned that Jim Irsay's influence on all major decisions going forward is is a significant problem rather than an asset.
10: Wouldn't want him as a boss. I think he does great work and all Mm -hmm. that. I don't really care that you bought a new guitar. Nobody on Twitter cares that you bought a new guitar. Um, I don't know. I I like the idea of getting Sean Payton and getting rid of Ballard and letting Sean Payton just run the show.
4: And that goes back to your earlier point. Why would Sean Payton leave the couch, leave the analyst desk at Fox for this?
10: Yeah, you. I just don't think you can. Like, I mean, Sean McVay would be another big name, but you don't even have a quarterback, and I don't think there's any quarterback in the draft that's like completely awesome. Like, who's completely awesome? That's that's going to turn the franchise around.
4: Yeah, like, Chris, we've been no one. We've been clear. One hundred and eight days to get ready for that pick, and really up until a week ahead of the draft, maybe that's when you would see a jockeying of a pick swap inside the top four. So there's plenty of time to break down that tape and legitimately see, okay, who who could be the franchise? Because I'm with you. I just haven't seen enough from any of these three top let, names. Let me ask
10: you a question. Yeah. Do you think Justin Fields is better than all the quarterbacks in the draft?
4: We're going to get that answer from David Kaplan at 2.30 because I drove in here, Chris, thinking the same thing. Certainly Matt Eberflus last night meeting with Ryan Poles, the first question had to be, hmm, number one, any of these quarterbacks... Is there any question that Justin Fields should be the guy and I, I think that's going to be a serious topic of conversation that will only heat up with all the hubbub I'm of ask, the combine. I'm asking you, do you yeah. do you like Justin Fields over everybody else? I do. I I do as well. I think he's shown you enough this year for, really from a from a toughness standpoint as well. For him to continue to play out games and to continue to turn out, highlight real plays, especially with his legs, I would think build build around him. Uh, and it goes back to what you said, too. I, I think if there was a Trevor Lawrence name, if there was an Andrew Luck name in this draft, then maybe it's a different conversation. But it's clear to this point that there isn't that level of a prospect from what we've gathered so far.
10: I mean, I like Bryce Young. I like C.J. Stroud. but. I just think unless you're trading to maybe get Justin Fields, I don't think there's any point trading a lot to get the number one pick because you're gonna you're probably gonna get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Shep. Like, I mean, that's just who it's gonna be.
4: But Chris, appreciate you weighing in. We have Daryl on line too. I want to get to Daryl. The phone lines are very busy this morning. One day after the Colts four win season, Daryl, what do they do next? Well, the first thing they need to do is they need to get rid of Chris Ballard.
11: He's put this debacle together over the last five years, and, and it's, a, it's a disgrace to the city of Indianapolis, to the state of Indiana, Indiana, this way the way this team has turned out under his leadership. They need to bring a GM here that can turn this team around. They can't go after and draft a quarterback. They've got other problems they need to address first before they bring in a new bring in a, a rookie quarterback because the rookie quarterback with this team is going to get the crap beat out of them. You
4: don't, you're not wrong there, Daryl. I mean, if you look at the numbers, sixty sacks, second in the league to Denver. I think Ryman has shown you enough to retain that left tackle spot. He made improvements, but with the investment up front, Brendan King. Is there a bigger problem right now, and Daryl, I'm including you in this as well, than the offensive line considering the financial commitment that's already on paper to that group? Disaster.
5: Disaster, Cliff, when you look at what they are being paid, how underwhelming they have been specifically at right tackle, and I realize Braden Smith got banged up yesterday. Braden Smith might have been the biggest disappointment on that line this year. Mm. To me. The whole offensive I line. I think you could tomorrow. go Yeah.
4: <laughs> Daryl, who do you who do you want as head who coach? You think, wait, you think Nelson was? I think he was right up there. I think Ryan Kelly's in that conversation as well. I both don't know of that. them would both of them would admit that to you. Yeah, that right tackle spot well, was of course a and this style, is taking man. Will Fries out of the conversation based on his inexperience. I'm willing to. Yeah. It's a different conversation yeah. between the two. Daryl, go ahead. Who do you want as coach?
11: You can't you can't bring in a top a top head coach until you get rid of the GM. You gotta bring And you go to Sean Payton, okay, you're going to have the keys to the car. You need to rebuild this uh, team where, where we're back to where we used to be and take us to the Super Bowl. You can't do it with Ballard because, he I mean, he's done nothing since he's been here. Absolutely nothing but destroy this team.
4: Well, Daryl, you would have to go back to to seventeen to see what he walked into, and that that team had nothing on paper. I appreciate your call, and I know you're not alone with that sentiment. Look, we agree to dis we agree to disagree at the moment. I I think Ballard is back, and I I would think there would be some sort of confirmation of that quietly behind the scenes to leak out early this week. Let's go to John on line three, John. In terms of the head coaching openings, Denver, Carolina, Arizona, Houston, Indianapolis, where do you think the Colts rank in terms of the most prized destination here so far If this head coaching cycle?
12: You know, honestly, I don't know. I really don't. But one, one thing that I wanted clarification from you guys yeah. was that I hear, you know, a lot of people, you know, calling bargain basement Ballard. And I remember the very beginning of the year, week one or week two, all I heard was we have so much cap space. We have so much cap space. But my specific question to you guys is I've always heard Ballard say this probably about seven or eight times. I will not overpay for a player. But when I see all these people making acquisitions, are these other 31 teams making acquisitions throughout the year, I don't see them overpaying for players. So, Can you break that down for me?
4: Well, they attempted to fill the gaps this past season. Unique Ngakwe, Stephon Gilmore, I think it was clear through the first dozen games this season, this defense in Indianapolis was ready to win a playoff game. Many of you would agree that there were very few concerns if this team somehow, you know, take the offense out of the equation. This defense was ready to win a playoff game. So they answered the questions there. In terms of the quarterback spot, the number one thing that we've all come back to, that's just not a position where you can go out and freely spend and make your hay there. That needs to be done in the draft or by finding a veteran quarterback who can be a stopgap, and they've completely whiffed there. And now that odyssey is over. Jim Irsay talked about that on the Monday night interview with ESPN, referring to the odyssey that was Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan in past tense. John, do you, do you expect a rookie quarterback to be starting here week one? And is that what you think most Colts fans are looking for this season? Or are you okay with finding a different veteran quarterback that could provide some short-term stability so you don't ruin your top five pick right away, potentially?
12: I think we're going to have a rookie. And I think... Uh... I really think, for some reason, I really feel that the Colts may work with the Bears to try to get that number one draft pick.
5: John, I'm right there with you, Brendan. But, John, I think your point of what you just said, I, 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 don't hammer Ballard too much on what was that? I too much on what do we got, Eddie? <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, I don't bet. I don't hammer Ballard too much on the payment stuff. What I have criticized him for has been the unwillingness to address skill positions from contract standards. And it's my worry that that unwillingness to pay wide receivers, to pay a tight end per se, that makes me nervous, Cliff, about Ballard's willingness to go out and make a deal with the Bears maybe for number one. And I want to talk about that after the break. Sounds good. So we will do so. Charlie Clifford, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison on the fan.
0: The season. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
5: And Eddie's in a happy mood. <laughs> we love it. Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> fired. Steve Kime. Yes. Arizona GM fired. Lovey Smith fired. Joe Woods, the Browns defensive coordinator,
4: fired. Charlie <laughs> Clifford. Jeff Saturday is talking and he's still here. And this is the update into the fan studio just within the past few minutes. Bracing for some news today. Well, the first significant news has arrived here in Indianapolis. Jeff Saturday is doubling down on his notion that his vision for this organization is something he still wants to pursue. He is still talking at the podium at the Colts Complex. Jeff Saturday absolutely is putting his name forward in this head coaching search, which begins today. He believes that he needs to make significant changes to even what he worked with over the final eight games of the season, sharing that again. These are through a series of tweets from beat writers across Indianapolis that What he walked into with eight games to go, there just wasn't enough time, resources, or ability on his part to make the changes that he believes are necessary to get the Colts back on the right track. And for that reason, after going home last night, talking it over with his family, and certainly having initial discussions with Jim Ursa and Chris Ballard, which certainly took place earlier today, Jeff Saturday is all in on pursuing... This permanent head coaching job, throw out the 1-7, and throw out the biggest comeback in the history of the National Football League, throw out the debacle on Sunday night football against the Dallas Cowboys. They were outscored by 89 points over eight weeks. They won one football game. And Jeff Saturday still believes he's the right man for the job, and he's going to give it his all here this week and moving forward to remain in the top seat. For this organization, Brendan King, your initial reaction that Saturday is moving forward, and it isn't saying thanks for the shout, thanks for the time. I gave it my best shot, handing the keys back over to Jim Irsey. No
5: surprise. Okay, I'd like to have a conversation with eight weeks ago, Jeff Saturday. I'd like to hop in a DeLorean and go chat with Jeff at that point because I'd like I would ask the question, Hey, listen, you're gonna go one and eight. You just said what you said about hey, if I don't do well, I'm cool. If they don't want me, whatever. I-, I would like to know what that Jeff Saturday would say about future Jeff Saturday going 1-8. Yeah, 1-7, excuse me. Well, I'm sorry, 1-7. Yep. Felt like 1-8. <laughs> felt like 1-20. Yeah, felt they like... They were
6: also outscored by 80.
5: Right, and that was also before the fourth quarter in Dallas. That was also before the biggest comeback in NFL history. That was also before scoring mm-hmm. three points on Monday Night Football. You could go on and on and on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Cliff. Forgot like, about that one. If you're Jeff Saturday, eight weeks ago, seven weeks ago, wouldn't you? Wouldn't a guy like that say, "We were this bad. What could I do to clean this up now?" Uh, to you, what quality, Cliff? What quality does Jeff Saturday have to go away from the? one in seven type team. Can Jeff's does Jeff Saturday have a quality to lead this team to an above 500 record in the AFC South?
4: There's nothing definitive that is on paper or on film over the past two months where you can make that argument. The top quality Jeff Saturday brings is from a leadership standpoint in the locker room, keeping things on the right track Look, after the pick six yesterday, Jeff Saturday is the type of coach, he still takes a few steps onto the field and is extending high fives to Sam Ellinger in the offense after they're walking off the field after throwing a pick six. Jeff Saturday, it appears behind the scenes, has had no problem getting in people's grills, challenging the execution level in terms of you aren't doing your job. Guess what? You're going to hear about it now. It appears that was one of the major complaints from Jim Ursay about Frank Reich late in his tenure. Ursay did not see the level of frustration and the fieriness that he wanted out of a head coach that simply didn't operate like that. Well, if Jeff Saturday is going to answer that question, you know, why is he giving high fives to quarterbacks coming off the field after they just threw a pick six? I don't see enough contrast in game when the ball's in the air, when things matter from a... Just a from him and Frank Reich, they, they appeared to be very positive, encouraging forces on the sideline. If you're looking for something completely different to wake up this roster that you've invested in and built between five years of draft picks from Chris Ballard and the, the stance of play it safe, keep the picks. Do not mortgage the franchise trying to b- bring in skill position talent. If if that's what you're hanging on to and you're just looking for that spark when the game matters, I didn't see enough of a difference on the sideline between Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday to even make that argument. They were very similar, positive, encouraging. And I know early on you can't go bust somebody after you just got the job two days ago, but even late in the year, again, this is yesterday, um you know didn't didn't see that out of Saturday maybe that's not a big deal to those who are running the shop over there Cliff, I did
5: want to get to this as well in this segment. The Bears now own the number 1 overall pick. Again, 2 o'clock. Loaded with gas, Greg Rakestraw at 2. Stephen Holder will squeeze in at 2.15. And the great David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, Chicago sports legend. He'll be with us at 2.30. So the Bears own the number 1 overall pick after the Texans beat the Colts yesterday and the Bears lost to the Vikings. Yep. Cliff, my question to you. Are the Colts in a position to do business... With the Chicago Bears, if the Bears choose not to use that pick to maybe select a stud like Will Anderson, linebacker from Alabama, or somebody along those lines. It's a perfect situation.
4: You already have the the connection built in with Matt Eberflus. Do they have the capital to go out and make a move like that? You do. Look at the defense that played at the level it did through the first 12 games. Chicago will be interested in veteran defensive presences To come in and expedite what is a complete rebuild there under Ryan Pohl's general manager who coincidentally was a college teammate of Matt Ryan at Boston College. I think it makes a ton of sense. Brendan King, it just comes down to dollars and cents in terms of what it would take to jump three positions and to control that discussion. Or it very well could already be decided. Look, Ed Dodds, Morocco Brown, the Colts scouting staff, their job... They already have conclusions on the top quarterbacks. I can guarantee you, the number one question Jim Irsay presented Chris Ballard and that scouting staff last night, or maybe early this morning, was, "All right, what's who's the guy at quarterback in this class?" And that answer they already know what it is. And if it's not, if it's murky between 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 Bryce and between C.J. Stroud and Will Levis. You know why? Why mortgage a ton to move up? That that could very well already be the answer at the Colts complex. And at four, you'll just wait and see. One and two, there'll be one quarterback off the board there. What could totally turn this thing upside down is if another market like us is talking about the yes. same exact thing. Surely there are more teams interested in controlling their draft with getting the player at one than the Indianapolis Colts. And that is the unknown that you'll deal with for the next 100-plus days.
5: Cliff, that's exactly why I think the Colts are in a better position than most to go out and make a deal like this. Because there may be other teams that are more aggressive with what they want to do Mm -hmm. and move up in the draft, but I'm not sure there are more teams that are loaded with things that the Bears would want than other teams. And you just alluded to it with the defense. A Kenny Moore, a Shaq Leonard, a DeForest Buckner to throw into that deal. The Bears are surely going to want your pick following number one. What else are they going to want, though? Do they would they want two players and another pick, or would they want two picks and a player? That's the deal you got to figure out. Because if the Bears want more players than picks, the Colts would have the advantage probably over a Houston or over a New Orleans or just yeah a Carolina. Mm-hmm spitting mm-hmm. out those teams. Mm-hmm. If the Bears want picks, a Carolina, a if New Orleans. If the Bears kid, want
4: picks, Brendan they, King, this deal will not happen if Chris Ballard is making no. the decision. Hell so no. You but can
5: X that off it, right if, now. If they want players and you want to dump salary and you want even more cap space, this this deal, Cliff, it's like you get an envelope from a bank and it's got your logo on it. It's got your name on it. This the Colts put themselves in position to trade up yesterday, and now it's a matter of execution, Eddie.
6: I agree with you, but here's the one caveat to all this: we like to compare NBA and NFL trades and free agency and whatnot, but and the NFL, off, too often you don't see salary dumpings in trades. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Teams don't do that. No, and I. But I, these I don't, these are
5: unprecedented times I, that you're now I, getting.
6: I still don't see Chicago doing that. Because they have $100 million in cap space. They have the money to go out there and spend. I, they yeah. they can take on somebody who's a young superstar if they wanted to pay them money, but I just don't see it happening with Chicago. And another thing to think about here, does Chicago give Houston a call to move back to two, gain some assets, move back again?
4: That's a tr- See, that's the other attractive... To
6: four. Yeah. Next thing you know, you just gained... If you're answering the
4: quarterback question is Justin Fields everything's on the table for the Chicago Bears. Ryan Poles is legitimately playing Madden when you've we've turned off you're on easy mode. You have all the cap space, you potentially have your young quarterback, you have the trade options, you have a fan base that for the first time in 20 years in Chicago isn't ready to fire everyone after a season that you won two games. This is a perfect situation for a young GM and with the Colts, as as you look back of how the cards have, have folded, when you decided to move forward and give it your best shot without Andrew Luck following the season where he walked away, you never gave yourself the chance to be in this situation. And people are going to kick and scream and call for Chris Ballard to be removed. But that's just reality. You have not had the chance to do it. You've worked with what orders you've been given in terms of finding veteran quarterbacks going on this odyssey, which worked with Phillip Rivers and may have very well worked for another season had he not decided to pack it up. Uh, It temporarily worked with a very fun stretch last season with Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor. And now you've reached a new spot on the board where it hasn't worked Will there be another knee-jerk reaction from the owner's office to find another scapegoat? Let's go back to the scapegoats this year, Brendan King. It was first Rodrigo Blankenship, then it was Matt Ryan, then it was Frank Reich, then it was the analytics department, then it was Matt Ryan again. Now Jeff Saturday is saying, look, I wasn't able to impose my will. I didn't really get to operate under the circumstances that I wanted Because it was weird. Let's just be real. He showed up. No one knew who he was. Obviously, everyone knew who Jeff Saturday is, but not in that position. Not Kayvon
5: Thibodeau, though. He doesn't know who he is. We're
4: done talking about that. That guy's ridiculous. (laughs) uh But is there any bonus to throwing one more scapegoat on this four-win season? Or can we all just take a nice little sip of reality and say, this was as painful as it was? The best thing that could have happened to the Colts, now you have the pick that you need and now you have a decision that you have to get right and that starts with the head coaching spot. We're back on the fan. Charlie Clifford, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. More updates from Jeff Saturdays wrapping up at the podium. Plus, what did we learn from the Colts locker room? Season exit day. It's completing on West 56th Street. We're back after this. With all due respect... we built this city on touchdowns not turnovers 34 of them this year this offense equaled the amount of turnovers that Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers groups did combined 37 fumbles 20 interceptions both tops in the league the fumbles four more than any other team seven straight losses 60 sacks Worst defense, offensive DVOA. And still, what we just learned from the Colts complex, Jeff Saturday, adamant that he wants this job. He is moving forward. He has told Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay he wants that interview. No second thoughts after the 1-7 and seven run. And he believes he has the vision to do it. And the circumstances that he was working under for the past two months, it just did not allow him to really put his vision to work given the lack of time and really reading between the lines certainly that would tell a coach on this team that okay well if he gets the job it sounds like I'm probably not going to be around because he's selling something didn't work behind the scenes and apparently you can't trade the whole team so wow just that's the number one news nugget so far on the fan this afternoon Charlie Clifford Brendan King Eddie Garrison Jeff Saturday Absolutely moving forward as a candidate here in Indianapolis. He just got done at the podium. Brendan King, you were at the Pacer game last night, 116-111 over the Hornets. Before we get to some updates from the Colts' locker room, when you're leaving Gainbridge Fieldhouse after that fourth quarter where the Pacers found themselves down in the final two minutes, the fact that they closed in the fashion they did, what did that tell you about Rick Carlisle's group?
5: That they just continue to show the fight that is needed to be a playoff team. Now, whether or not they make the playoffs, I don't think is necessarily a factor. If they make the playoffs, great. If they don't... It's not going to ruin Pacers fans' life. Pacers fans, I think, would be fine with each. I think there's a lot of people that would enjoy getting to take in a Pacers playoff game. But at the same time, I think Pacers fans are smart enough to realize... You know We're going to get a lot more of those in years to come. So if they make the playoffs, I think that's a great sign, Cliff, that they're on the right track and it speaks to the work that has been done. But look, the trade deadline still is not here yet. Mm -hmm. I know JMV's running the promo right now of he doesn't think Buddy Heald should be going anywhere. I've said that since Buddy Heald arrived here in a trade last year. He is such a not only special talent – He's great in that locker room. The guy's always smiling. He's becoming a
4: fan favorite. By the <laughs> no way, question. speaking of fan
5: favorite, Ben Matherin is starting to get Lance Stevenson's chance. And that means every time. come off the bench.
4: That's an important he, role. He
5: walks, That's a big, big shoes Cl- to fill. Cliff, he walks off the bench and people are screaming for him. <laughs> that You've been to games. You knew exactly what Lance, the ovation that Lance was getting when he stood up. It's getting to a point where Matherin's standing up and people And Lance would
4: at times rarely sit. He yeah. couldn't compose yeah. himself just waiting for that call. Ben Matherin only four points last night, one of nine shooting. It didn't matter. Andrew Nemhart, 19 points. A couple big, tough finishes late. He was a plus 25. Nemhart looked fantastic. This one, though, goes to Miles Turner, BK. Rick Carlisle admitted postgame he's playing the best of his life. Uh, he's a great guy. It's a great story. Twenty-nine points, nine boards, four blocks. Miles Turner kind of shrugged it off. Another day at the office. This is a confidence we have not seen out of Miles Turner. Post-game, Rick Carlisle on this team jumping to twenty-three and eighteen at the midway mark. Pacer fans, you've helped fifteen and seven at home to start the season.
3: I mean, I've kind of wiped last year out of my memory. You know, what's the point of even going there? This team is is totally different. It's got a totally different spirit and a totally different love for each other, a totally different commitment to each other. So, But the tough games is where is where you grow, you know? This was a tough game. It's so one of those bend but don't break games. Down
4: 12 after the first, down six going to the fourth quarter, a 43.4th. Tyrese Halliburton, 16 points, 13 assists. Brendan King, he had a Packer jersey on postgame. The Oshkosh native sharing that he's kind of a new Packer fan, so we don't think he was devastated with the Lions upset last night at Lambeau. I wonder what a new Packer fan means. How are you from hmm. Wisconsin and You're kind of a new we're going to need that answer from the face of the franchise soon. Charlie Clifford, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. We're back with Greg Rakestra at the top of the hour. Injury update from Shaquille Leonard, which Colts key players just gave endorsements to close the season for Jeff Saturday to return as head coach. Plus, the major takeaways from Jeff Saturday's exit Monday at the Colts complex. That's coming up at two on the fan. It's Jeff Saturday.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
4: Are they going to keep banging that cowbell or is Christopher Walken going to be looking for a new name to come and spark a band that has just wrapped up its worst tour around here in quite some time? That was good, Cliff. Well, look, on paper, yes, 11 was worse, but as we've illustrated, it was a much different conversation the day after that season than it is this afternoon for you and I, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison, Charlie Clifford here at Wish TV in Indianapolis. Greg Rakestraw is going to join us shortly on the mower uh, mower Mower Shop from Fisher's Hotline. Excuse me, we've got to get that right. Order of business here right now. Jeff Saturday wants a shot at the full-time coaching spot. He just spoke at the Colts Complex. He doubled down. He has a vision. He wants to move forward. Shaq Leonard telling reporters he feels great, Brendan King. The second surgery to really fix that nerve potentially in his back that wasn't firing. He believes that that is now cleared up and now it is just recovery going forward. That is a huge story for next season. Ryan Kelly, to Forrest Buckner, two members of the locker room that went ass, did show support for Jeff Saturday's head coaching candidacy. Those are interesting storylines because what are they going to say? Nope, not the guy. Yeah. Need to look elsewhere. I think that needs to be taken with a grain of salt. I go back to
5: when Nate Bjorkran was the head coach of the Indiana Pacers. Oh. TJ McConnell <laughs> came out and said, he's our coach and we support him. And then Nate Bjorkran was ultimately canned. Ah, you got your parking pass. I didn't think we were going to hear Nate Bjorkren's name today, Brendan. King. So that's, that's a change of events here. That make, but anytime somebody comes out and supports a coach, I I go back to the Bjorkran thing. And they
4: know nothing they say is going to change. Jim Mercer's mind. That is the decision that now will need to be made because I think some of us were maybe like, Behind the scenes, is Jeff Saturday just going home saying, oh, gosh, how many games are left? How many practices? But no, he believes that he really wasn't able to get his fingerprints on things like he wanted to. And that if he is kept Jeff Saturday, the most important thing he said today, significant changes will be ahead. Is that Jeff Saturday looking around that locker room last night? We were in there as he spoke with a few players. Again, he's remained so positive on the sidelines. Some of you have pointed out, why is Jeff Saturday giving Sam Ellinger a high five after he just threw a pick six? That is the brand that Jeff Saturday at least showed us through eight weeks on the sideline. He was going to be ultra positive. There wasn't going to be any scenes on the sideline. There was to be no more drama from this team that brought so much of it upon itself this season. Publicly... A-plus job. Public relations directors should take Jeff Saturday, what he just did for the past eight weeks, put it in a textbook and say, hey, as an interim head coach, when things go terribly on the field, this is how you handle things at the podium with the team, with your veterans. Couldn't have done a better job. Is that enough to give him the job? That is the question to lead Greg Rakestraw, the mower, ship from, mower shop from Hotline from Fisher's Hotline. I need the read, Brendan. Please give me the Let read. Let me give you the I'm, read. I continue to butcher this. Greg Rakestraw They printed here. that paper for you, by the way. Greg Rakestraw, thank you for your time. The offseason is ahead in Indianapolis. We will be glued to it all the way through the draft. Greg Rakestraw, what is the order of dominoes that will fall in the head coaching search? If you could... Give us your forecast of how these names will begin to fall. How do you see it playing out beginning this week?
13: You know, I, you know, from a, from a Colts perspective. Again, let, let's talk about the Colts organizational flowchart first. Is, is Chris Ballard your general manager? That's mm-hmm. decision one. Once that decision is locked in, then it becomes okay. Is Jeff Saturday your head coach? Then at that point, it is okay. If it's not the case, then let's go through the interview process and. Let's see who is out there. So, in terms of you know other teams and who ends up going where and what that does for the Colts, I'm, I, I, I'm reluctant to even go in that direction just because okay. the, the because the Colts have have are so messed up at this point. And are hitting such a a what we hope is a bottom on their way back up.
4: It's a good point. You hope
13: you 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 have got to fix everything internally first. In other words, I don't really care what thirty one other organizations are doing <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about fixing what's going on here. And so once you make those determinations, now you can start to look at okay, who are the other candidates that you know deserve merit or deserve mention or deserve an interview here at 56th Street.
4: Greg Rakestraw on with us. Greg, you mentioned the first domino being the decision on Chris Ballard. Surely he and Jim Irsay had a conversation either late last night or very early this morning about what to do moving forward. You remember one season ago that conversation transpired with Frank Reich in the room and those three left that room knowing that Carson Wentz would no longer be the quarterback. Would it be the proper move from the Colts to quietly, behind the scenes, leak out confirmation? No ifs, ands, or buts. Chris Ballard is staying on. The season is over. The dust is settled. There shall be no speculation about this story. How would you expect the team to handle that?
13: I think that is a. I think that's a conversation. A, a press release is worth putting together, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know there is also a media requirement. Uh, in terms of Chris having an end of season press conference, mm-hmm. I believe it has to be either this week or next. And so, frankly, if that takes place, that's your press release right there. Right. Um, you know, so some sort of announcing of that, I think, would be a good thing. So it, it, it's typical of situations like this where we're less than 24 hours removed from the end of the season. Because of the business of the National Football League, this thing will take care of itself sooner rather than later Right. until we get to that point where like, you know, Eric Cartman staring at a watch. (laughs) Um, So until that gets taken care of, we're all kind of in that mode. Once it happens, those dominoes will tend to fall pretty quickly.
5: Rake, I know this might be a very broad ask, but to you after sitting in on the Colts postgame show all season long, how do you sum up the last 18 weeks?
14: Hmm.
13: um uh, uh I, I was what i would call um the unlicensed director of therapy it, it, my job on the post game show was allow people a chance to vent yeah to speak their mind um because it, it was far from fun most weeks you know let's face it you know even the four weeks that they won you know, the Denver game was such a slog, was such a rock fight. Um, you know, the, the the Vegas game was great and everybody was giddy about the first game of the Jeff Saturday era.
4: Second half you against know. Jacksonville was fun.
13: Right. The, the the Jacksonville home game was, was just great in general uh, in terms of 34 points. And the Chiefs game was great in, in terms of kind of when that fell and how they played against Jacksonville. Other than that, I mean, it wasn't like there were losses. You go, man, you know what? The guys really played well today. (laughs) No. That that didn't happen. Um, And so, you know, my job was professional, you know, was to go out there and and, and do the best we could, uh, you know, on the postgame show and talk about the team. But there was a lot of fun in this Colt season, which was exactly the opposite of what we thought we were getting into in July and August of, uh, of 2022.
4: Greg Raikstra is on the guest line brought to you by the mower shop and fishers and the mowershop.com head there for all your snow blowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools, Charlie to Wish TV, Brendan King, Greg, it's fun for fans. The conclusion yesterday, Davis mills, heroics, moving to the fourth spot, potentially being able to tango with the bears. It's going to be fun for us. A conversation piece, the ability to trade up, for the number 1 overall pick. The ripple effects of just how tough it was in the locker room that you and I saw throughout this season, are Colts fans underestimating the damage from the midway point this season to the end of the season, what it did to the veterans in that locker room, and if those veterans are back, the implications that could have for next season? How do you read and gauge that question?
13: No, I mean, I... Guys have short-term memories. I mean, this, you know, you you will throw this one away quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hope there are things that sting and motivate and serve as reminders going forward by those involved with it. But when this group officially really first gets together for OTAs in April, everything will be about charting a new course forward. Again, whether it's the same head coach or a different one, whether it's the same general manager or a different one, uh, because there will be such turnover. Um, even though a lot of key pieces are still under contract for this football team, you know, no 53-man group, no 90-man group is ever the same from one year to the next in the National Football League. So I hope there are reminders as to just how not fun these last 18 weeks were. But at the same time, once this group gets back in the same room again about three and a half months from now... Sure. Um, everything will be about what you can do better in 2023.
4: Greg Steve Wilkes is going to have a similar conversation with ownership in Carolina. He inherited a one win team, finished the year six and six. Jeff Saturday walked into a team that had three victories and a tie, won one game for the remainder of the season. It feels more today that Steve Wilkes is potentially more unlikely to retain his spot than Jeff Saturday. Please explain that one to me.
13: Uh, Because Steve Wilkes is not a Carolina Panthers franchise legend and Jeff Saturday is. Um, Jeff Saturday reminds people, including Jim Irsay of a much more successful time for the Indianapolis Colts. Jeff Saturday's name is in the ring of honor for the Indianapolis Colts. That past carries a lot of freight with the man who was making this decision. Um, and so that would be the reason why. Steve Wilkes did a great job. But clearly, uh, you know, Mr. Tepper and, and the folks in, in Carolina, uh, I think are looking for a bigger name, a bigger splash, than bringing back the guy who was the interim coach. And while, yes, he was 6-6, six and six, still a 7-10 and 10 football team and a team that obviously is in a similar position of the Colts, you don't have your franchise quarterback. You don't have your future guy at the QB spot. You're at, at some to some degree you're at a start over point for that franchise, kinda like you are for this one as well. But uh curating would be the difference. <laughs> Past history would be the difference between those
4: two names. Brendan, I wonder if the glory days if that if that's gonna be why this is moved forward will that further tarnish anything with you know why? It seems like if if you're going to cling to that, I think a lot of people are going to have be very upset in the next couple weeks. That's just my gut feeling.
5: Well, if they go with the historical factor, Jim Harbaugh is out there. That's a question for another day, Rick. I want to ask you about the quarterback situation. What we saw from Sam Ellinger yesterday. This has been a topic that you and I have talked a lot about over the last three weeks or so. How we have wanted to see Sam Moore was yesterday rake enough for you to determine whether Ellinger is backup quality or if he even will be on the roster next year.
13: I think he'll be on the roster next year. I think he's the backup quarterback. Um I think given where the Colts are drafting, you have to take a QB. You know, you know because as a franchise while we can cite the last 6 years, the last 8 years, you know, pick your time frame that you want mm-hmm. as not being what's expected around here or as as is hoped. Again, it is rare the franchise has been this bad. And historically, this is a good sign, when there have been years like this, they have bounced back quickly. Six wins in 2001 became 10 wins in 2002. Great point. Two wins in 2011 became 11 wins in 2012. Four wins in 2017 became uh, 10 wins in 2018 and a playoff victory to boot as well and I bring that up because you generally don't have the chance to make this high level of draft pick back to back years we all hope that's the case for this franchise and so because of that the thought is hey if you're sitting at four you better be taking a quarterback Um, did we see enough from Sam to know no in my estimation we did not agreed Um, but at the same time I also again just general sense of the situation tells me Sam's Sam can be a very good backup quarterback, potentially a starting quarterback in this league, but there will always be some limitations with Sam hmm. for what he has from a leadership standpoint, from an intelligence standpoint. Um, you know, he's he's just a, a a smaller guy for the quarterback position. You've got a chance to draft a first round talent with the fourth overall pick in the draft, maybe higher, if you feel the need to move some capital to be able to get up higher to get the quarterback you want. I think the Colts have to go quarterback, regardless of what the GM status, regardless of what the head coach status is. you got to go quarterback at four at this point.
5: Rick, I'm with you, but if you're the Colts, do you have to tap back into the veteran quarterback market if Ellinger's your backup, kind of just to give you more of a safety net?
13: Maybe, but again, maybe maybe you carried three. You mm. carried three for a good chunk of this year. Um, and I think the expanded practice squads allow a little more flexibility uh, you know, on things like that. I mean, let's face it. Um, we thought the Colts were great at backup quarterback this year.
4: (laughs) It was by far the best they had done on paper under Chris Ballard.
13: Right. I mean, trust me, I know the guy that that researched for the preseason football (laughs) games, you know, I can tell you how many rosters had two guys that appeared in super bowls on their rosters as a quarterback. The answer was one, mm-hmm. the Indianapolis Colts. That team just won four games and didn't win from, remember, the 13th on. So maybe you go, I get a veteran quarterback. But honestly, if you look at the back of quarterback situation in most NFL
4: franchises, there's
13: not exactly you got to go, hey, I feel good about <laughs> Well,
4: Well, Ray, let's go here then. What's the likelihood that Matt Ryan would agree to coming back with no guarantee that he's the week one starter and actually being sold much more likely that, Hey, this is your chance to pay it forward and really mentor a top level talent here to close your career. What's the likelihood of that? No. Yeah.
13: No, just, yeah. I mean, I get you, you tried, it didn't work. You part company, you say thank you and, and you move on down the road. So no.
4: Greg Rakestraw, appreciate you giving it to us straight. It is a very odd Monday here. I know you've had a few of them, and appreciate your your forecast of what will be an interesting close to this day, an interesting close to this week, and a wild month of January ahead for the Indianapolis Colts. Have a great week, Rake. You got it, fellas. Thanks, Rake. Greg Rakestraw. This was brought to you by the mower shop and fishers and the Mowershop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Charlie Clifford, to wish TV, Brendan King here. We're going to have Stephen Holder to close the show at two forty five up next. We are heading to Chicago to begin the discussions. That's right. We're going to help the Colts out a little bit here. We're the negotiators. We're sent in to break the ice with the big, bad (laughs) Chicago Bears. Eventually swapping the number one overall pick for the fourth overall pick. It is the czar of Chicago sports, courtesy of Brendan King's connection, David Kaplan, joining us at 2.30. We're going to take a quick timeout, give you some college basketball updates, plus a big one for the Pacers Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden. Why the Pacers and Knicks rivalry is officially back. That story's next. BK
0: clip. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
5: FEG, Fan Midday Show. David Kaplan coming up here in just a few minutes. Stephen Holder will be with us at 245 to break down the Jeff Saturday press conference. Appreciate Don Fisher for joining, uh, as well as Greg Rakestraw. Podcast will be up 1075thefan.com. Cliff Pacers with a win last night. Good sports week in general. We have not even talked about the Natty yet. The National Championship, college football playoff. Is that tonight? Yeah. Oh, my God. The second-to-last version of the four-team playoff. Again, (laughs) they have that next year, and then it goes to 12. TCU, though,
4: finds a way into the CFP. Brendan King, first player you think of when you hear TCU? Andy Dalton. Okay. What about a second?
5: I don't know. (laughs) I, I do not know my TCU history. LT? Oh, yeah? TCU guy? Are I screwed you know, that up. So here's the thing, Cliff. I was not a big NFL guy growing up because my dad was a Notre Dame alum. So I was just I'm French. so
4: sorry for you. Uh, we had fun. That was, that, was, that was Brady Quinn and Jeff Samarja. So I grew up a I, diehard ND I fan. was on that team. Tom Zibikowski was my Zibby. childhood idol. Zibby! I love Went Zibby. Went to the rival high school. Yeah. I have more Tom Zibby stories. He's He's a great man. I was a huge Zibby fan. Still very close with Chuck Pagano, by the way, Tom Zibikowski. Is he? From yeah.
5: Zibby was such a Notre Dame fan favorite. They sold his jersey in the bookstore. That's when you know. When you sell a defensive back special teams guy jersey in a book score, it's and, pretty rare. And, and those are getting sold more than Brady Quinn's
6: ten <laughs> and
4: Jeff Samarja's eighty three. What do you got?
6: One may say that's in the upper quartile of the upper quartile.
4: Oh, Eddie, we were trying to get away from the Colts for just ninety seconds here, and Eddie Garrison brings us back in. There, there is no escaping reality, Colts fans. But as we pointed out, it's a good reality. Things are things are now going in the right direction as of the sun rising this morning. That season's over, Brendan King.
5: It is over. And you,
4: I expected fewer fans at the game yesterday. I did, there. I did, too.
5: I did, too. Why
4: do you think people went? <laughs> For,
5: I mean, 12 bucks? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, Cliff, yesterday there was the Indy doubleheader. You had Colts, then Pacers. It matched up perfectly. I believe there was you one did of those.
4: It. I did it. Sober. Sober? <laughs> well, actually, was the second leg of that sober? <laughs> yeah, it was wow. actually. Good job. But
5: hey, I mean, you know, you're able to uh, have a nice little Colts press box spread, and then you pop over the Pacers, and that ice cream machine is fantastic. I see in the, what you're. And the Pacers, I see media what's going room, on, on here. Come on now, you got to take advantage of that. <laughs> no, uh, you know, Cliff. Actually, if you would have let's go back to July, and we think about the Indy doubleheader, people are like, okay, January eighth, we're going to do this. We're going to plan it out. Who would have thought in their right mind? Who would have thought in their right mind that the better story or the game that people would look forward to most was the Indiana Pacers, Pacers and the
4: Charlotte Hornets and not the Colts and the Texans on January 8th? And because of that, Brendan King, Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden for the first time since Roy Hibbard, absolutely clown Carmelo Anthony here at the Fieldhouse with that <laughs> rejection. Shout out Roy Hibbard. He's doing some analyst work for CBS. He's done a great job. Knicks Pacers is back. And I am so fired up later this week to talk about that, especially with Scott Pollard, who's going to be joining us later this week. To me, the return of this rivalry, the sparking, thanks to really the loss to the Knicks here two weeks ago, whatever it is, two and a half weeks ago, what you saw last night is a Pacer team that closed another tight game without leaning on the three point shot. It was defense, it was Miles Turner just savviness, saving extra possessions. You've heard it from Rick Carlisle. There's no panic in this team. This is a group of believers, and he specifically contradicted really what you saw last season, in his first season, the group that was supposed to win, the group that was supposed to have a chance. Suddenly, you found this unselfish team centered on Tyrese Halliburton, and that leaves Wednesday night just, to me, this is going to be one of the most fun road yeah. trips of the regular season. Cliff,
5: it was pretty interesting to look at the dichotomy when you went from game to game yesterday because the Colts sideline, it's been no secret, it's been pretty dead all year. The
4: there pick- was not one scuffle on the no. Colts sideline this year. That no scuffle, I, um, Unless Most people you know, hit me on Twitter if you saw something different. Frustration did not boil over once this season. I, no. I think you're putting that now in the the concern category. Yeah. of if, if a great team is upset, they get in each other's faces and... I think that that's almost a check against the Colts this year.
5: Yeah, but uh, that sideline has been dead for weeks. And then you go to the Pacers game and you see that bench. Electric it's, City. James Johnson at the end of that bench is getting up for every shot. Daniel Tice, of all people, who probably, I don't want to put words in Daniel Tice's mouth, but, <laughs> but
15: when he hasn't he appeared traded, in a game yet.
5: Right. When he got traded from Boston to Indy, you would have to imagine he was not thrilled. Right? Surely. It's like, I, I what? Oh. You went from a championship contender to a, te- a rebuilding team. I, Daniel Tice had to think, when am I getting out of town? Daniel Tice is on that bench
4: and is as involved, Cliff, and as energetic as anybody. I love that we're looking at the same things because that's, that's a true measure of camaraderie when the end of your bench is just as excited yeah. as when the starters check out of the games. As you said, stock on the Pacers. Buy it now. It's not fake. It's not going to collapse this year. The building blocks are in the right places at the right positions. That's the biggest change. Go ahead, BK. Looking
5: forward to our next guest. It is a guy I've gotten to know well over the last couple years, working in the Cub organization, a guy that both Cliff and I grew up listening to from Chicago. This is a treat. This is awesome. It's David Kaplan joining us on the hotline, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Cap, great to have you, my friend. First thing. Okay, first of all, slow down with the you grew up listening to me. (laughs) It's
14: true, man.
5: It's true. What? What?
4: What are you, like nine? Yeah. Cap, you were still running basketball clubs. Clinics, back, I can remember those days, man. Shout out to you. I always turn to you and like, hey, who's grinded? Who's made it? I'm like, you got to read David Kaplan's story, man.
5: Wow. <laughs> going back a long time, man. Uh, Cliff, uh, that's awesome, Cliff. Cap, great to have you. First thing, your reaction to the day that was at the end of the day, Cap, where the Bears wind up with the number one overall pick?
10: Uh, It, it
14: was pretty amazing. I'm sitting there <laughs> watching all this with my wife. And my son, I'm like, there's no freaking way, because they're winning all day, the Texans. And I was amazed by the number of people, like intelligent, in the media, cover the team people. <laughs> oh, I think the Bears are going to cover the number against the Vikings. I'm like, do you guys realize Nathan Peterman started four games in his career and loses by an average of 27 points? They are not trying to win, and if they are, then they really need to just fire everybody that's there because they're the dumbest people in the world, and they're not. So I'm watching this. I'm like, wow, the Texans are up significant. Ah, here come the Colts. The Texans are down. It's over. Little did I know that Lovey had already basically been told he was out. Right. And so that was his big middle finger to the owner. Like, yeah, make sure you give me my checks and good luck. You're picking second.
4: That was awesome. The McNair family Christmas card list has just been updated. Unfortunately, the Smiths will not be receiving one. Uh, Cap, we're getting right to the heart of this thing. Colts fans need a quarterback. They are very enticed with a potential trade option with the Bears at one. How likely do you think Ryan Poles is like to pull is is to pull the trigger on a swap to move out of the number one spot cap?
14: Oh, I think it's a lock. He's moving out of it unless somebody calls him and gives him you know just an insane deal for Justin Fields, and I don't think he wants to trade Justin. I think Justin is really really well liked in the room. Okay. And he's a great leader. He's what Jay Cutler never was, a leader of men. So I do not see a scenario where Justin isn't our quarterback, except this proviso, it resets the clock on Ryan Poles Because now he doesn't have to pay Justin after next year. Correct. He has a quarterback on a rookie deal for five more years. Beautiful. management, if they sign off on doing that, would then be saying, yeah, you're not going anywhere for a long, long time. So does he pull that off? I don't think so because of how good Justin is in that room, how much they believe in him, and he's a good player. So I don't think it happens, but I think he takes every freaking call, as he should, and if it's the Colts calling, saying, Hold on a minute. What do you want for Justin Fields? What do you want for the number one pick?
4: Cap, that call's coming.
14: It's coming, baby. Like, let me ask you a question. The Colts are picking what number?
5: Four. Four.
14: Okay, that's what I thought. What if the Colts said to you, I mean, if you're the Bears, and the Colts called and said, okay, we want to go four to
4: one, Hmm.
14: we'll give you Quentin Nelson and another number one.
4: Right, you're one next year, plus our four, plus a veteran top-line Pro Bowl talent, correct? That's what you're laying out?
14: Correct. So all of a sudden now, if you're the Bears, you have fixed one of the big problems on your team. You need a guard. You've got to get one.
4: Now so... be careful, Cap, because plenty of Colts fans after the tape this year are wishing they would have walked back that extension with Quentin Nelson. I don't know if it's all on him. The line was an absolute mess. They gave up 60 sacks. Only the Broncos were worse. But when Ryan Poles pops in that tape, it's not going to look like the Quentin Nelson tape from two or three years ago. He, he admitted as much last night post game.
14: Okay, so what if they said uh, DeForest Buckner?
4: Now you're, on yeah. now you're on to something. Now you're on to something. We need a three technique. So,
14: again, it's going to be really difficult for the Bears to screw this up. Hmm. Now, they could screw the pickup, that's hmm. for sure. Because for all the negativity surrounding Ryan Pace, let me just tell you, Ryan Pace had some really good hits outside of the first round. Like, he was really good the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. You know, the Darnell Mooney's in the fifth, and the Khalil Herbert's in the sixth, and all these other guys, Cole Komet, all these guys are really good football players. But when you have four top ten picks, starting in 2015, 15, 17, Yikes. 18, and none of them are on your current roster, that's a problem.
5: Mm. David Kaplan's with us on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. I'm Brendan King with Charlie Clifford. Cap, my next question was going right into what the Bears would want. I, I think there are certain teams in the league that can offer a more pick-centric deal the Colts could probably offer a better player-wise deal. So does that make it more attractive to, a, uh, to the Bears when they go and take those
8: phone calls?
14: Well, I, I don't know if it matters to them just where they're getting players. I really believe they're looking at it going, what's the best thing for our football team? Like, you know, I was amazed the number of people calling in on my radio show today on ESPN 1000 Oh, we're going to win nine, ten games next year. <laughs> Slow down. Marcus, Let's go. Because, yeah, it's we have the worst roster in the National Football League. Like, the Colts had a bad team. Your roster is far superior to what the Chicago Bears have. I'm, I'm just telling you. In terms of first-round picks on the roster, look at the Bears. They have one First-round pick of their own. I'm not talking about bust-outs like Alex Leatherwood. I'm oh, talking wow. about their own. They got <laughs> Justin. That's it. Their wide receiver room is literally embarrassingly bad. It, it. They have, other than Darnell Mooney, and he's coming off a season-ending injury that required surgery. So I, I don't know what they have in that room. So it, it, there's a lot of issues there. Their offensive line, horrifically bad. They have a couple guys maybe Braxton Jones could slide over to right tackle. Maybe he develops, but you need three receivers. You need three starting offensive linemen. You need a linebacker. You need an entirely new defensive front
4: four, and you got to add another corner.
14: Man, that's a lot. Other than that, how was the play, Mrs.
4: Lincoln? You know, (laughs) (laughs) that points back to Brendan's question. I, I'm leaning towards then, give me all the picks. If I'm not ready to invest in a DeForest Buckner, a veteran Pro Bowl talent who maybe has a couple years left on his deal, I'm taking the deal with the picks. Cap, I need your thoughts on this. This was a laughing stock season in Indianapolis. Jeff Saturday is brought in. General Manager Chris Ballard is sitting at that press conference midway through the season looking like he wants to be anywhere but Indianapolis when that decision was made by Jim Ursae. It appears Ballard will remain on as the general manager unless there's a change in the 11th hour here from the owner's office. From an external standpoint in terms of the teams that took a step backward not only on the field but from a branding standpoint this season, where do you rank the Colts in that list as you're taking into account the rest of the National Football League?
14: uh, That's a train wreck over there. <laughs> and and not because Jeff Saturday came in, because I think Jeff Saturday's a really good person. He's a no question man. No question. It's just the whole setup is a train wreck there. It is. You, it, it, one after another, keep overpaying to get these Lousy veteran quarterbacks, whether it was Matt Ryan who was done or it was, uh, who Wentz. else did you guys Wentz. bring in? Carson Wentz. And I remember from an impe- impeccable source, it can't get any better. Mm-hmm. He said that when the Bears were kicking the tires on Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson said to his dear friend, and if you remember the year that Doug Peterson was out of football,
4: yeah. He would pop into a Bears training camp. camp here. We saw him We he saw was, him here, too.
14: It, well, he was working Bears camp with Matt Nagy, and yep. reportedly he told Matt, stay as far away from Carson Wentz as you can. Hmm. And so the Bears did. Never made an offer. You guys rode in and got him, and we found out that guy can't play.
4: Yeah. Washington was reminded of that as well. BK, what else you got for Cap? Cap, when was the last time the Bears kind of held
5: the NFL in their hands like they are right Shoo! now, the palm of their hands?
14: Nineteen
4: eighty-five. <laughs> <laughs> we were shuffling. It was wild to see not yeah. only in the in the in the cherry on top with Rodgers getting bounced. Final thought here, Cap. What's Aaron Rodgers do next year?
14: He's playing in Green Bay. He's got a ninety-nine million dollar dead cap hit. You guys, don't, please don't tell me you think he's going to walk away from 55 or 60 million in guaranteed dollars.
4: No, he's he's a lot of things. He he is not financially inept to that degree. I'm with you. It's just awesome that we get, you know, the I was told he gave each reporter kind of a shout out post game and the what ifs are going to be, you know, the the swan song will continue. I Do you get a sense that Packer fans are are sick of all this? Have they, or was that last season going to be the high water mark in terms of them throwing up their hands, saying, you know, is this really still worth it?
14: Uh, I think Packer fans are tired of the drama. Do you want to play here or not? Yeah, it's a good community. Saying. We support our team. You're making insane money. Do you want to be here or not? If he walks away from a guaranteed hundred million over the next two years. That will be the most stunning decision I've seen in sports. Because what do most people say? Greedy athletes all about the money. If he truly says, you know what, I'm good, I'm out. Keep the money. That will
5: shock me. Cap, last thing. We'll quickly get get you out of here on this. Cubs a wild card team this year. I'll be at Cubs convention this weekend. Let's go.
14: Absolutely have a chance. First of all, look at that division. The Reds truly belong in AAA, as do the Pirates. (laughs) The Brewers? The Brewers, every year, I hear,
10: well, we have really good prospects
14: and we don't want to trade them. Yeah. They've never, ever made a run and pushed their chips in and gone, we're in. Yeah. And the Cardinals, yeah, they got my guy, Wilson Contreras, who I love, but the Cardinals haven't done anything that you go, oh, my God, <laughs> they're a juggernaut. They didn't go get Aaron Judge and add in Justin Verlander and push all their chips in. You're telling me in that division, with good health, the Chicago Cubs can't build on a 39-31 and second half, win 85 games and get in the playoffs? I'll tell you, they can.
5: Not saying they will, they can.
4: Optimism. I love it. Cheers to optimism. I love it, Cap. Thanks, Cap.
5: Hey, man, we appreciate the time. Have a great day. See you, man. Thanks, bud. David appreciate Kaplan it. with us on the hotline, brought to you by The Mower Shop and Fishers and TheMowerShop.com. He is the best. We're back next on The Fan.
4: Andy, let's roll. Charlie Clifford, to wish TV, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. The top story we continue to follow. Jeff Saturday is moving forward as a candidate in this head coaching search. Saturday just left the podium earlier during the one o'clock hour. Stephen Holder, ESPN, joining us on the guest line brought to you by the mower shop and fishers. The MowerShop.com. All your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers plus service and power tools. Steven, Jeff Saturday clearly had the conversation with his family and then I'm sure Jim Ursay as well. Yes, after that seven-game losing streak, no looking back, wants to move forward. And now the selling begins on his part of why he should do it. He sat down and answered your questions this afternoon. What was the approach Saturday took today?
8: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on a little hoarse, so bear with me here with the, uh, the, the raspy voice. But uh, he... I think took the approach that uh, I think it sort of resembles what Jim mercy has said, which is that he thinks that Jeff is a very strong candidate. And I thought that he talked like someone who believed he is a strong candidate for this job, the permanent job of coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, certainly his one in seven record definitely undermines that, right? There's no question about it. Uh, I, I think the case he tried to make, because that was the question, right? it's like, all right. If you if you see yourself as the individual who's qualified to do this, you have to you know what <laughs> right. you make. Okay. Continue. And, Go on. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> and and what he said was that uh, he he wanted to hold his his sales pitch close to the vest, so he didn't share it. But <laughs> but he he did kind of defend how they got to one in seven, which we can quibble about. And and I think the the takeaway from that part of the conversation, as I wrap this up, is that. Look, you know we had we had a lot of things going against us. You know, I came in and I'm, I'm coaching someone else's team uh, with their staff, uh, with all the pre-existing problems. Um, you could argue it's you know not taking responsibility for for that one in seven mark. So I mean, it depends on the eye of the beholder, obviously. But uh, that was where my takeaways.
4: What part of his vision did he share? Okay, let's let's make you yeah. the head coach, Jeff. What do you do? Where did he? It, where did he he go into further detail on that plan
8: well that's the problem he didn't and, <laughs> and i think that was a little frustrating so uh, here's what he did say I, I think he he made it clear that there would be significant changes now i can't speak to what they are because he didn't share um i can speculate right i mean i i think the structure of things scheduling uh, you know the 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 way practice is conducted. Those are the kinds of things that that coaches can change that mm-hmm. are that that are you know sort of obvious to the to the naked eye, so right. to speak. Uh, but beyond that, I'm you know it, it it takes more than that too. You know those aren't necessarily magic answers either. So uh, I, I think the it can look different on the outside, but is it going to be? You know, is it going to? you know lead to to different results. You know, I think that's that's a question that we can't answer because we don't know the 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 substance of those, you know, the specifics I guess of those actual changes.
4: Just to be clear, he did go out and say from what I had read that if I'm the head coach, I'm not a coordinator. There's three coordinators that he would like to have the final say on. Is that correct?
8: Uh well, I think he was talking in sort of general terms okay. like, you know, okay. if I mean that was that was my take on it, but but i but i think you know so whether it's the current staff or not i, I can't say that specifically sure. but i definitely got the impression that he has he has either in his mind thought about uh, additional coaches or i should say new coaches um and and has considered what his coaching staff would look like. I, I got the impression it would look different and p- perhaps very different. Hmm. Uh,
5: Steven, if they do decide to bring Saturday back and then also Chris Ballard comes back, how would they sell that to an already frustrated fan base?
8: I think that's the biggest variable. Maybe not the biggest, but that is one of the biggest variables that Jim Mercy has to consider if this is something he's serious about. I will tell you, I mean, I don't think social media is a is a perfect uh, example, necessarily, of public <laughs> opinion, but that that's all we have sometimes, right? I mean, I didn't, I didn't take a poll of, of Indianapolis residents, but I, I can tell you, rarely do you get such overwhelming sentiment that this can't continue, right? I, I just, I'm not hearing any of that. And, and the only thing I'm hearing is that, you know, we got to go in a different direction as a fan base. That that's what I'm hearing from them, uh, and it's been almost universal. And and again, no question, there's usually some there's usually some sort of uh, divide. There has not been a divide. And, and I think even if you even if we didn't have social media to to call upon, as as perhaps uh, an example, what we know is people aren't happy with one in seven. They aren't happy with losing three of those games by at least seventeen points. They aren't happy with with any of what they've seen, right? Because how could they be? So it's a sales job. It is, it is a yeoman's job <laughs> I it would be to, to sell this. But I'm still not prepared to say it won't happen.
4: Jeff, uh, Stephen Holder joining us on the Mower Shop in Fisher's Hotline. Charlie Cliver to Wish TV, Brennan King, Eddie Garrison. Stephen, the path moving forward, how quickly will either word – leak out quietly behind the scenes or maybe just with a simple press conference announcement that Chris Ballard will be heading to the podium to put to bed any speculation that Jim Irsay is still determining who the general manager of this football team will be next season?
8: Uh, You can anticipate hearing from Chris Ballard this week. right? That I can tell you. Uh, That that will happen probably uh, very, very soon. Like in the next few days. I anticipate that happening. I am and And even taking that out of the equation, whether he talked or or didn't uh, I have been uh overwhelmingly convinced that he is coming back i mean yeah you and I beyond, both beyond beyond Jim Mercy just saying it um i'm I'm talking about just from indic- other indications I've gotten like uh the fact that the colts, for example, this is maybe something that is or isn't out there, like the colts uh telling potential candidates that chris ballard's in charge of the coaching search for example right that doesn't mean he's going to make the final call it just means that you know he's spearheading it right right so so i think those are really strong indicators of chris ballard's uh retention here and i expect him to be back
4: Stephen holder i appreciate you taking a few minutes here busy day i know you got a full night ahead catch steven on espn read all his, his content online appreciate you and we'll definitely look forward to more updates coming this week all right
8: all right, guys, you got it. Thanks, Steven. It.
4: That is Steven Holder on the mower ship from mower shop from in Fisher's Hotline, the dot All your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. We've got a minute left here. Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. The most important thing you take away from what we learned at the Colts complex. What is that, Brendan King? The most important thing we learned from the Colts complex
5: today. How bullheaded they are!
4: I'm saying Shaq Leonard giving an update about his health, saying it looks like second surgery went well. That That, can—that's a player who can help you win games. That's also a player that can help you get you get you a top pick, potentially. There's no question. Being under contract, he would being young, his Pro Bowl. If the medicals check out, you're right about that. We'll see, though. We'll see. That's the great mystery, boys. Eddie Garrison, appreciate you as always. Charlie Clifford of WISH TV will be back tomorrow. Marlon Jackson, Colts legend, joining us for the, uh, the afternoon portion, noon to three, looking forward to that. John is in next, and this Colts conversation is just starting. Keep it here on the fan for Charlie Clifford, Brendan King, Eddie Garrison. Had a blast this afternoon. Have Thanks, a great Cliff. day.